For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Did you know, uh, because we have an accurate figure on it in the front of this morning's Echo, did you know that there are 6,000 students entering first year in Cork universities every single year? Now, I know at the top end, we drop students who, who move on. Uh, but 6,000 per year when you look at MTU, Cork and indeed UCC. So that means we've got a total at any one time of about 25,000 students uh, on Lee's side when you add MTU and UCC together. Um, and they're not building enough beds. They're not, sorry, they're not building enough apartments. They're not building enough student accommodation blocks and there aren't enough beds. In fact, it says in this morning's Echo today that we're 5,000 beds short just for students alone before you even start trying to reckon, up, reckon what the figure could be for families or people just looking for but a roof over their own heads. So it's uh, problematic and of course you'll really see it come September when colleges are back again. Uh, papers also deal with an awful lot of other very interesting stats like the Echo puts a figure of 225 people brought to safety by the RNLI last year alone. And when you look at the life post stations of Cork and Yall and Ballycotton and Crosshaven, Kinsale, Cordmac, Union Hall, Baltimore and Casadon Bear, uh, you can see the good work that they do, the life-saving work that they do, 225 saved by Cork lifeboats uh, this year. But with water-related stories, a very sad story, another death, um, another little toddler drowning in a paddling pool up the country. Oh, it's terribly sad. It's the front of this morning's Red Tops. Hannah, age two, dies in a pool tragedy. Our hearts are broken. For her and her family, uh, some of the quotes from the local community up in County Leash. Little two-year-old died on Sunday. Uh, Photograph from the front of the papers today. Little paddling pool. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great weekend either for uh, the roads or fatalities on the roads. Four uh, different people, you know, died in collisions in a 24-hour period. One was a chap who was back from San Francisco and died in an accident in, in County Mayo. I believe the other one was um, uh, an, uh, an accident down in County Limerick, which uh, claimed the lives of two young people, uh, two young men in their 30s. And then over in Listowel, there was a 19-year-old man died in a single vehicle crash in the middle of the afternoon in Listowel. So it's very sad. And you probably heard in the uh, news this morning that um, they're doubling fines. I'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. This is just breaking news. But fines for drivers who speed... Fines for drivers who use mobile phones, all set to double. And I'll be asking you guys as to whether that's the right way forward or should it be a case of, uh, you know, increasing penalty points. Um, anyway, more on that in a few minutes' time because I've got some audio on it as well. But you know the the awful situation that passengers found themselves in in the dart at the weekend. Uh, the aircon system failed apparently on the hot, crammed train carriages and they were literally sitting in the carriages for hours. So much so that they eventually forced the doors and clambered out and walked up the tracks. They just couldn't handle it. They were suggesting actually in one or two interviews in the Star this morning that temperatures felt as if it was up around 50 degrees Celsius. Kids needed to go to the toilet. Babies were crying. Elderly people were struggling. Everyone was struggling. It was a soldier, apparently, uh, who forced open the doors of the heavily overcrowded train in fear for the lives of the passengers. They were dehydrated, uh, amongst other things, and panic attacks, never mind the anxiety and the worry. So he said, I punched out the protective glass and activated the door release valve and then manually opened the doors with both hands. And he's pretty much saying if it is time over again, he would do the very same thing. Uh, and probably saved lives by doing it. Uh, meanwhile, the cost of back to school has been dominating the last few days because the clock is ticking and we'll head across August. And before you know it, it'll be back to school. And they're working out the average cost per child for primary at €424 Euro back to school costs and for secondary €814 Euro back to school costs. You may agree with that figure or disagree. 
you might think that it's an awful lot higher than that. But could you imagine if you had uh, two or three going back to school, two or three going to secondary um, next September? That would be the bones of uh, nearly two and a half grand. And they look at numbers actually in the mail where they're saying the first time buyers, what are they buying? How much of a mortgage are they drawing down? Apparently it averages at 263,000 uh, euro. Papers also this morning talk about a lot to do with, um, you know, music and things that you like to boogie to. Oh, actually, the Ukraine won't be hosting the Eurovision. I don't think it was ever going to be a runner. Uh, there was a lot of uh, split uh, you know, opinions on Ukraine winning the, the Eurovision in the first place as to whether it had to do with the war or actually the talent on the stage. But that's what happened. But apparently they're not in a position to host it. So apparently the UK, or should I say, uh, England will, will host the uh, the Eurovision next week, next year. And that makes all of the papers today, BBC, to take a big hit. So it's going to cost them in their pocket. Um, and we, we are absolutely infatuated with, um, you know, the television that prisoners watch, how many channels channels they have, what they get for breakfast, what they get for lunch and what they get for dinner. It's one of those stories that's always making the paper in some way, shape or form. It's quite voyeuristic when it comes to prisoners. Now we're hearing this morning about what they like to buy in the talk shop, in the talk shop and how much they spend on their jammy dodgers or their Jaffa cakes or their Skittles because these are the things they love apparently. So inmates are expected to spend up to 80 million euro on sweets, tobacco, fizzy drinks and other items over the next four years. <laughs> like, why don't you just say that they spend 20 million euro a year on sweets and chocolates and biscuits? And if you are interested, it is Jelly Tots, Skittles, Jammy Dodgers, Kinder Bueno, Pineapple Swiss Roll. <laughs> why? Why pineapple? <laughs> why not jam? Pineapple Swiss Roll, uh, iced buns. Um, there are others. Lemon puffs, uh, hobnobs, and the good old-fashioned classic rich tea for Duncan in your tea or coffee. So that's a story from the uh, from the prisons by all accounts. Uh, there are other stories making the papers today also, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But this one I love and I didn't get to yesterday. Uh, I won't, you know, this, this has to do with F-A-R-T-I-N-G. Why am I afraid to say that word? It's a harmless word, isn't it? What? Will I say it? Farting. This guy who hasn't stopped for five years is now suing a food stall for 235,000 euro because of a ham sandwich that he bought back in 2017, apparently. So he's at the Birmingham... He's at the Birmingham Christmas market with his, with his wife and kids and he buys this ham sandwich which he subsequently said was off and gave him food poisoning. And from that day... He hasn't stopped flatulating since he ate it back in 2017. He has suffered stomach cramps, fever, vomiting, diarrhea, and it started within hours of eating this ham sandwich. He claims that he's been bedridden for five weeks with salmonella as a result of eating it. He he claims that he has regular bouts (laughs) of uncontrollable flatulence. I told you when, I, when you gave me this story that I wouldn't be able to get through it without laughing. I'm not going to get to the end of it. He has regular and uncontrollable flatulence ever since he embarrassed... And it embarrasses him in... Pu- <laughs> it embarrasses him in public. <laughs> and it wakes him at night. <laughs> oh my God, I'm only halfway through this. The symptoms are primarily fatigue, altered bowel function, <laughs> associated with churning. <laughs> I mean, 
if that goes to court, do you imagine entering that in as evidence in certain court? Let's <laughs> see if the judge can keep a straight face, because I can't. I'll try and read out part two of this later this morning when I get my when I get my bearings back again. <laughs> Cork's number one talk show, the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Ah, yeah, I'm just a child at heart. And then, then there's the story that. Um, I was telling you yesterday about the amount of complaints that have been against test uh, driving testers to the NSA, um, and lots of different reasons as to why people have <laughs> why people have complained their driving tester, not their instructor now teaching you to drive, but the man or the woman that actually takes your test. And one of them really jumped off the page. Apparently, this one. She was driving on a hill, apparently, and she stalled, and the car started to roll roll back down the hill. So the instructor shouts to her, Jail guy, woman, your handbrake! <laughs> she took umbrage to that, apparently, um, and complained him. Um, failing your test, actually, uh, can be a rather, um, you know, I guess, upsetting experience. There are others, then, failing your test for not driving fast enough. Um Right. Others felt that they were intimidated because uh, the tester was in the front and apparently there was some official in the back testing the tester and somebody failed their test because of that, they say. But they go on then to talk about, um, you know, people being failed because they drove too slowly, uh, failed due to a combination of slow driving um, and penalised for easing off and driving slower during extremely wet conditions. Um, somebody else was uh, failed because they drove 53 kilometres in a 60 kilometre zone. I didn't know that you were supposed to drive at 60 in a 60. I thought it was anything below it. But you apparently can be failed for driving too slowly. Um, The other ones, actually, I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning because I'd love to hear your driving test stories yourself if you passed or you failed or what was it like during the test and with some great prizes for this, including the wonderful hamper uh, from Douglas Court Food um, Department at Douglas Court Shopping Centre. So all that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. Now, fines for drivers who speed or use mobile phones are set to double. And the new regulations due to be brought in by the Junior Transport Minister Hildegard Nocton will see fixed penalty points rise above €100 Euro for the first time. Now, this is not April 1st. This is real. It comes because uh, more and more people are dying on the roads. And I mentioned the four that were killed over the weekend. In fact, I think the figure might have even gone up to gone up to five, bring, bringing the total number of lives lost this year to 94. Now, We already have 61 new speed vans uh, going live this morning across 23 counties. So we've got hundreds and hundreds of those. And from today, the junior minister is doubling fines for the likes of speeding uh, or texting or using uh, your mobile phone. Here are the fines. I'll be doubling the fines for speeding offences from €80 to €160. Uh, for people who are using a mobile phone while driving, I'll be doubling that fine as well from €60 Euro to €120. Euro. And people who are not wearing seatbelts is also doubling. Doubling. So no seatbelt, uh, speeding, using mobile phone. What do, you, what do you think of it? We were chatting about it here this morning. Um, th- that, that, would, uh, that would bring um, the fines up to what? Maybe €160 Euro generally? €160 Euro for a single speeding offence, yeah. 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 I mean... <sighs> I, um, I'm. This sounds like a terrible way to start a sentence. I'm all for road safety, right? I, I people shouldn't be speeding. Or, you know, the speed limits are there for a reason, particularly on some parts of roads. Um, and definitely, like move, using a mobile phone while driving is a big no-no. There's no excuse for it. You just plenty of place to pull over. Yeah, texting while driving is has got to be the most reckless thing you can do. I, and pointless. Like I don't see why you couldn't just pull in on the side of the road and text somebody. And also, okay. like we can, we now have Bluetooth kits in all of our cars. We know, like you know, I know our generation. You say 
is allergic to the telephone call but when you're in the car there's no reason why you there's wouldn't there's no reason be able to, to text it. anymore you're right because you can, if you have bluetooth etc etc you can send a voice note it's, you can send a voice note you're or you right. can literally on your own car screen you can select to call somebody and then just call them but it's hitting it's hitting people in the like for instance if you know where it where it can drop from 60 to a 50 just like that okay. and you get caught Okay, so that's a hundred. That's going to cost you a hundred and sixty euro. A hundred and that seems quid. very unfair. To and me. and you know, like I heard there was talk there. You know, I've heard talk around this issue, and some people are suggesting that you know penalty points go up. To, I think somebody suggested this morning five penalty points. But you're off for the road then offense. to offences. So you? you you come round the corner twice at a like a, let's say uh, this Carol is a great place where it goes from a hundred down to sixty, and as you come round the corner, there's a speed van waiting for you in the sixty area. So you're trying to decelerate, get down, yeah. get down from a hundred to sixty. Like what are you going to do? Step on the brakes, put on your <laughs> brake, and yeah. like, you know, you like call. So that's either going to gonna be five penalty points if they six penalty points. Well, they're six. talking about five, but. Five is enough as it is. But if you I mean, doubled it, it would be six. Wouldn't it? it would be six. Yeah, yeah. If you if double the points, that would be six, and then you would be caught speeding twice. You'd be off the road. I mean, I would be off the road as it stands. But we can't just leave it the way it is, though, because it's not working. You know, driving habits aren't improving, and more people are dying on our roads. So you can't just leave people alone. No, but I would always make the point that I think I always think that we should be retesting every 10 years like there's people here who have their gotten their license in the 70s yeah, and the I got 60s mine in 1978 and, and things have changed dramatically there's a huge amount of more cars in the roads car parking spaces have gotten tighter because they're trying to force everybody in there and while the vast vast majority of people like yourself and everybody else are adapting really well I don't see why you know a small refresher course every 5 years or 10 years just to be like look things have changed slightly you don't need a refresher course to be taught not to speed or not to use well, your mobile phone that's true but I mean um, I, I, the only thing I would say about speeding and I, like I said the, the mobile phones I completely understand but the speeding thing all of a sudden we're seeing more speed vans on the road while at the same time the price of speeding is doubling and we're talking about a cost of living crisis where the government are struggling you know people believe it's a money racket the I speed mean vans. look it's hard to argue against that argument when you see the, when the speed vans are going it, like I said it's about where the speed vans are as well like you know there's I would see a speed van quite often on the stretch of road between Dungarvan and Waterford City which if you've ever driven that you can put a dual carriageway in there the hard shoulder is as big as almost a lane and a half itself that is not a tight twisty piece of road by any stretch of the means that is a safe, straight piece of road. Yeah, but and the, it's only invi- they, that you can't tell me that's they're put there to improve safety on that road. No, but the, the link, you know, heading to Douglas and the two slips off for front and back village, mm. coming here from Corraheen, coming in from the west, there, th- that goes from 120 to 100. Right? Yeah, but there's a speed van most of the time parked on it and around the corner again around because the corner because people, people aren't dropping back they're but continuing at 120 and 130 oh, kilometers and there's always crashes on that road mm. always but is that because of the layout of the road it's like because my people age. are driving too fast and they're changing lanes too quick there's mm. numerous accidents there mm. so I, I, w- I would say well look in that case I think that that speed van you're talking about again you come it's in the right the, place you come around the corner and it hits you it does Oh yeah, it's very strategically placed. You but won't it, see but it surely, if you advertise ahead of time that there's going to be a speed van down the road, instead of trying to catch people out, people will reduce their speed. 
Like, is the idea of a speed camera not to reduce speed and not to make a road safer? It's not right, supposed people, to fla- people flash their lights anyway, telling people coming against them that there's coming you can't, against them. You can't see that in the link because you have the... No, but in most roads. In like the you most, get, you most get a roads, yeah. But, they, but that's the, the point. The point is to slow down on those pieces of road. I know, I get what you're saying. You, should be, you shouldn't be breaking the speed at any point. But I just think it's underhanded to be placing them round blind corners, especially when the speed limit drops, like, say, let's say... From it's mean, you think. It's catching, shooting it's fish just, in a barrel. It's shooting fish in a barrel. Okay, exactly. let's see what people think on that. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Your thoughts? Fines are to double. Uh, that would be not wearing seatbelts, uh, breaking the speed limit, uh, texting, uh, using your phone physically up to your ear, all of those kind of things. Uh, penalty points won't increase, but the fines will double. So they believe it's best to hit people in their pocket. we got calls, texts on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Let's get your thoughts on this. Text 0868-104-106. Darren Milan has been a driving instructor since 2006. He's probably seen it all before. He joins me by phone. Darren, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, thanks. First, on the doubling of fines. They go from 80 to 160. A good idea or not? I think it's a good idea because I remember the old speeding fine before the penalty points came out was £50. And being realistic about it, we have the penalty points since 2002, which was 20 years ago. And the fine hasn't increased in 20 years. Really? A penalty points around 20 years? God, time is flying. 2002, now when they first came out, it was just for speeding mobile phones and seatbelts. But the penalty points came out in 2002, so like 80 euros 20 years ago and 80 euros now are kind of completely different. Mm, mm. You, you, like, you, you think, do you believe that hitting people in the pocket, 160 euro, will make a difference to people speeding, texting, not wearing seatbelts, all that kind of thing? I would like to see um, a system come out where the guy doing 5 or 10k over the limit like, would get one point and a small fine and the guy doing 30k over the limit would get hit with a bigger fine and a bigger penalty. Like, the only thing that I don't like about speeding offences is if me and you are coming out to Commons Road and I'm doing 59 and you're doing 90. It's a catch-all. Yeah, we get both treated the same. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, I think it should be... Like, in the UK, they have a great system. If they stop a law-abiding motorist that has never been in trouble before and commit a traffic offence, they'll offer them to go on a one-day driving awareness course at the cost of time. And if they go away and they do the course, they don't get the points on their licence. Yeah, yeah. But, for, but you know, like, for instance, on the link now, where I was just talking about one particular van that's there an awful lot, just in front of the slip for Back Douglas Village. You know that, that Gatso van? It's, it's always there. Like, that must be catching loads of people, surely be to God, because people are booting down the outside lane at 110, 115, 120 kilometres. Like, that's three penalty points straight away, isn't it? Absolutely. And a fine. Now, I don't... To be honest about it, like, I don't think the vans are as sensitive as we think they are. Like, I've never heard anyone getting a fine for, like, 3, 4, 5k over the limits. Yeah, well, now, you, you just might get away with maybe 3 or 4 kilometres over, but you won't get away 10, 20 over. You just no, won't. No, you won't get away with 10 or 20, but I've never actually heard of anyone. I think the lowest I've ever heard was 9 over. Okay, okay. Um, you don't think it would have been a better option to double penalty points? Because a lot of people I, wouldn't be able to find... A, like, they're, not, they're not criminals, like, okay, th- in the sense that they've been driving too fast, you know what I'm saying. But they might be hard-pressed to come up with €160. Euro. 
there might be, but like at the end of the day, speeding and punishment is all about don't do it again. Like if me or you get caught speeding, which look, no one's an angel. If me or you get caught speeding or if me or you have six or eight points on our license, we're going to really watch ourselves. And that's the whole idea of the speeding. We can't afford to lose our driver's licenses. So, Yeah, but it's selective so. It means that a very wealthy person uh, can afford to speed more than a person who's caught for cash. I wouldn't say so because in the old system, like at the end of the day, personally, I wouldn't care about 160 euro fine. I'd care about the penalty points on my license. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The penalty points would be a better option, surely, because it would have the same impact on all people. You know, some people can afford yeah. 160 euro fine, others can't. They might say, ah, it's only 160 euro, what do I care? Well, like, six penalty points is a really lot of penalty points to be put on someone's license, especially for a minor speeding infraction. You don't think that this is all about uh, revenue and that's why they've come up with uh, yet another uh, 60 new vans. We have 1,373 cameras now across Irish roads that this is all about money. They issued two million, more than two million speeding tickets were issued by the Gardaí since those cameras went in, and each of those tickets was revenue. Two million. I don't think, I don't think it is because if you look at the rate of inflation over twenty years, I would say it is inflation. Like eighty euros is not a lot of money nowhere it was twenty years ago. No, and I'm not not asking you the rate. I'm saying having all of these cameras is just to make money. It's just a revenue stream. I don't think so. Like, road debts have halved since we, we got these vans. Have they halved? But they're climbing again now, is it? They're, they're climbing again because we we're basing them on last year's, or we're basing them on statistics from last year or the year before when no one was travelling. Okay, okay. Nobody talks about the state of the roads, though. I wonder if they've got anything to do with people dying or crashing. Ra- roads are they, shocking. Like they say, driver error is 80% of fatalities and drink driving and speeding. Like, drink is a big killer as well on the roads. Yeah. Like, the vast majority of fatal road accidents, there's alcohol involved. Or drugs, or both. Or drugs, yeah. Uh, here's a text from Tony. He says, I'm absolutely fuming this morning. Having received a speeding fine in the post after passing a speed van, I was doing 56 in a 50 zone outside Blackpool. The road is 60 all the way along, and then just as you go by Dulux, it drops to 50. And the van is sitting waiting for you. So if you're doing 60, you have two choices. Slam on the brakes and brake check the car behind you. Or do what I did and get caught for three penalty points and a hefty fine. I'm all for speed cameras in dangerous parts of the road. But how can they say that these vans are for safety when they're forcing drivers to drive unsafely to avoid being caught? The whole thing smacks to me of underhandedness. Are these guys on commission for the numbers they catch or what? Can't come on, but I wonder if your listeners have been caught the same way, where it drops from 60 to a 50 and you don't get enough time to react. I've seen that van myself last week and I'm going to be totally honest about it. Everybody in Cork knows that that's a speed hot spot. The guards are there 24-7 in the Sunbeam bit. Okay, so... So, like, obviously, obviously it's a big accident zone. Yeah, but they don't strategically put them there, do they, to catch people like that? Well, I'm going to be honest about it. I, I was on a driving lesson last week and I saw that van and I saw it a half a kilometre of it. Okay, like, and that gives you time, is it? Well, it's not that it gives you time. Like, I, I wouldn't say that that van was hidden. Like, even the van that we're talking about on the Douglas Road, to be honest about it, it's not hiding in a bush. 
it's right out in the middle of the dual carriageway. Well. Okay, okay. All right. I'd love to think people think of this, whether penalty point increases would have been a better option than doubling the fines or whether they should have just left well alone. Um, you see that report that's out about driving testers uh, and the reasons that people get failed. One of them, uh, one of them roared at our Jesus, woman. Your handbrake. Well, I'm going to be honest about it now when I'm only speaking about my experience. I'm working out of Wilton since 2006 as a driving instructor. And to be honest about it, they're the most compassionate crew I've ever come across with first class customer service. Mm. Like we've had our, like don't get me wrong, we would have had our baronies every hour, every now and again. But like, I don't witness anything near what they said. Like I had a complaint myself last week, right? It was the first complaint in four years. Because I had a guy text me and ring me 25 times in one day demanding a driving lesson. And I responded to him word for word. If you stop being an ass, I will help you. And he sent a big massive complaint into the RSA stating that I used vulgar language and et cetera, et cetera. Like I was only describing his behaviour, but like I'm seeing people go into that driving test centre that are nowhere near ready. You don't think saying that was confrontational to the guy, no? Calling him an ass? Honestly, I would. Sh- I should have used different words. I, thought, I would but have like, thought so. I, I should have used different words. And you know, we're all upset at times. And like we're like we do get sick of what we're being told. And we're we're sick of parents ringing us. And like nobody, like uh, the the pass rate nationally is about fifty percent. Right. So that means the half of people that actually fail driving tests. And like I was in the car park a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a young girl come out of the test centre crying. She, she was upset God love her she failed her test she got into her mother's jeep laid on the back seats and started kicking the doors what? Yeah, I swear to God was the I mother in the, was the mother in the front? the mother was in the front like you like oh, you've no idea what these people have to look at every day I was on a pre-test a couple of weeks ago and a pre-test is basically a mock driving test yeah. and I said to a lady take the third exit to the right of the grassy and road around the boat yeah. and she went around around the wrong way she drove the round She drove around the clock. And she started screaming at me, you taught me to turn right. <laughs> and I said, look, I did tell you to turn right, but the right way around the roundabout. But I... We're I shouldn't people, laugh, oh God. Yeah, but we're getting people that are coming up for that driving test, right? We've parents ringing more driving school. They think they have nothing to do but pay for 12 driving lessons and Johnny or Mary should get a licence. Like, how many compliments did the RSA get last year? How many letters of... Your driving tester had first-class customer no, service. I don't know anything about that. I just know of the 280 complaints that the RSA get against testers every single month. Apparently, one person yeah. said that when they went back to the RSA office, the driving tester asked me if I'd ever driven in my life before, if I ever took a class, or if I ever met a driving instructor. Now, that's very saucy. It, but see, that's That's really degrading. Saucy, right? It is, but like, how do we know that that was actually said? Well, like, I have to base it on fact. Of you're you're suggesting that it never happened or was never said. Oh, no, I wouldn't be saying that because I wasn't there. But, like, I do know from experience that any complaint that I ever got, 20% of it will be true. A yeah. lot of them are taken out of context. Yeah. Like, we all get complaints in our profession. I'm sure you get them. Yeah. And, like, would it be fair to say that 90% of the complaints that win about anybody are taken out of context. They're, they're, usually, they're usually a bit on the inaccurate side or a bit one-sided or not the yeah, whole like, story. There might be, like, there's no smoke without fire. I'd be the first to admit that. Like, as I say, I shouldn't have used the word ass to your man. But like, I was just 
sick of him ringing me like as in 25 texts in a day is harassment like and okay. Okay. I, but like another thing that I'll say is look I've never ever ever experienced anything like that in the centres that I work in in Cork and I found look I found every driving tester and supervisor that I've ever worked with to be nothing but professional and customer focused. But how can they fail you for driving too slow? Particularly, in a, house, driving, particularly in a housing estate, like where there might be children okay. around. Somebody says driving, it was a 60 and they were failed for doing 53 in a 60. I wouldn't say 53, no. To be honest about it, 36, 37 in a 50 would be progress. Generally, 10 or 12 under the speed limit would be progress, right? But like... It, driving too slow like it well, she says like, I was given a grade 2 for progress on the straightway driving 53 kilometres in a 60 kilometre zone I'd, I, I'd be of the opinion she could have been in an 80 and didn't realise us. then another person complained because there was a row between her and the tester because he wanted the airbag turned on and she didn't want it stupid isn't it is that the passenger airbag well to be honest about it no whoever that driving examiner was he was quite well in his rights to refuse to take that car out with the airbag off. Yeah, and then he wouldn't. He wouldn't, yeah, but like, as in, he shouldn't have taken that car out. He's, his life is in danger of the accident. Okay, so, um, uh, okay, but that's brilliant. That's great to hear no, that the cork testers I, are, are t- taking a no, boot, top no, class. I, anyone that needs help passing a driving test, I've made a new website. There's loads of videos on how to do the test. It's adicork.ie. A B I or A V I? A A D I Cork dot I E. I have all the driving test routes. I have all the questions and answers for the theory. And I have loads of RSA videos on how to use roundabouts and how to do the technical checks to reverse it. Well done, kid. Well done. Well done. Okay. A D I Cork dot I E. Cheers, Darren. Stay in touch. Look after yourself. Thank Take you, mate. All the best. Text oil six eight one oh four one oh six. Kieran standing by back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106. Added to the the fact that at this time of people, you know, with the times that we're living in now, people are hard-pressed to even pay bills as it is, and they wake up to news that, you know, traffic offence fines, whether it's speeding, using a mobile phone, you know, dangerous driving, uh, not wearing a seatbelt, things like that, but the fine will go from 80 to 160 at a time when people are hard-pressed for cash. You have to admire their timing, don't you? Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Paul is standing by. First up, Kieran. good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. So, uh, we have uh, news this morning of fines doubling, and we also, of course, know that the amount of cameras and speed vans, or Gatso vans, is also on the increase, but they roll out an, other, an extra 61 of them this morning, bringing it to nearly 1,400 of them. Your thoughts? No, no, I'm just wondering, is that 60 vans or 60 different spots? Hi, hi, no, it, well, it says that th- these are 60 new speed camera zones, which means that that either would be a fixed camera or it would be a van. New ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they'll, they won't be buying 60 new vans. Anyway, to make... The, no, they, they may be buying new vans. Yeah. I don't know. There could be vans included in that. No, well, I, I read a piece there not so long ago that, uh, that they are running... Um, they're costing money. They're, they're, they're not making enough to keep themselves. But anyway, that's another story. My story is um, I have no problem with the, the speed van. And, like, it's very hard to get caught now because I was sat down there and tells me what the speed lumps. It'll bleep when I'm coming in, a bit out when I'm coming in. But What? How does well, how, how does that work? Forgive me. That's news to me. If, if you're if you a good sat nav, right, you can get them for laying the passenger. I'm a professional driver and my hobby is driving. Um, you get a sat nav. Uh, 
bit out from where you're coming to a speed limit, it could bleep and it could flash up that doesn't speed, the speed limit is coming. And um, if you veer off lane, it'll tell you. Uh, they're all, like, the, the technology that's out there. Ah, okay. That, the, it'll tell you where there's a change in speed limit, but it won't tell yeah, you that yeah, there's a yeah. Gatso van or a speed camera ahead. It will. It will, it will, will tell it? you the area they're in as well. Well, so like a, like a random remotely parked van, you'll get a, a, a warning. That they'll be in the next, you know, they're parked in five or six mile areas. It'll get a warning and it'll tell you what, that, that they're going to be up there. But look, and are they always to, there? Not always. But look, if you're driving for a living, you're going to know where they are because the, the, the spaces. But that's not my point. My point no, is. No, I was just trying to work out does, is there technology available now that will warn you a couple of kilometres ahead there is a camera? Uh, well, it, I, I presume it will. It'll, they will be uploaded on that now. But that's illegal in some countries. You know, is it a grey area here now or not? All right. Because I know you can't have a device for finding. You know, the the, the ones that the cabs have. That's illegal. But um, so you no. can't you can't get technology to tell you that there's a a guard traffic guard ahead with a with a handheld speed gun. Yeah. You, you can't. can, but it's illegal. And if you do, it's illegal. You'll get, you'll get and what about the characters that used to put CDs hanging off their mirror? Uh, I, I don't think they ever walked to tell you the truth because, I, you know, you know you're know, coming into towns there now to the same principle and it'll flash up what speed you're doing. Yeah. And, like, that's another thing there. They tell you you're doing fast. They'll turn from red to green in a smiley face yeah. when you come to it. So, you know, that's all they're like. So I have very little sympathy for people who actually get caught. But my point is, if they're going to vote there, we want them to keep the law too. 50%, I reckon, of all them gas events are parked illegally. Now, I don't know whether you got that picture I sent in of your man parked at the end of Hargan. I have it here in front of me. Yeah, the van, the speed van. Ages ago, when I saw that, I rang rang Angus District to clarify and I said, um, can he catch you if he's parked illegally? So I was told he can still summon you even though you're parked illegally, but he can be summoned for being parked illegally. Now, that picture you have there was last Friday. I rang English Street, gave him, gave him his the, the VIN number and where it was, and I said... Uh, Torgan's Key. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was going out across the city, and um, I came back close and an hour later and he was still there so there was nothing done about it. And you're saying that where that van is, that speed van is parked illegally, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they asked for my number, my name and his registration and all that. But we're still there and I'm coming back close and an hour later. Okay, so you want vans fined if they're parked illegally or in a dangerous place? No, another one, just illegally and I think they're parked dangerously in some places too. You take the Mallow Road there now where the wild fence is in the middle of the road, right? You're coming from the Mallow side there. You'll get the, the gas event parked there on the inside of the road. If there's an emergency, full stop in front of you. You can't go right. We all have ABS now. You'll steer to the left. And if he's there and there's an emergency, he's going to be taken out of it. Yeah, but have you ever heard of anybody crashing into the back of a speed van? No, no. But it, it's there. Like you, There's a lot of things you've not heard of, but they happen elsewhere. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, but they're still illegally parked. And nine times out of ten, they're parked in gateways which is illegal as well. And across from continuous white lines is illegal. So if you... Did you, 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 you complained um, a speed van parked on the Stew Bridge, did you? Heading down I Tivoli did, Way, I was did, it? No, in fairness, Mayfield moved him. Now, I don't know if there's someone's or not, but he was gone fairly lively. Now, I haven't seen him there since, you know, they, they were parked across. Now, where they, where they continuously parked as well, 
is in Ballyvourney, uh, outside the Chocolate Car Park in there, but they're in and out. They park across three, three, three And days. is it acceptable that they park in very sneaky places? I wouldn't have a problem like that because technology is telling you where they're going to be and if you're caught, it's your own kind of fault, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and okay, so you have no sympathy whatsoever for somebody caught speeding. They shouldn't be doing it in the well, first place. No, and I'm time, everybody knows they're there now and look, you know where they're going to, I know where they're going to be and you, as I say, Miss Atna will tell me that, that, that uh, they're in the zone. They might, there, they mightn't. But no, it's a different you're driving a truck. I'm, I'm set at 50 kilometers an hour all the time. Now, the only place I'm likely to get caught is in the top or a uh, 50 or a top yeah, zone. Yeah. You know. yeah. And, and, and are you okay with the fines doubling from 80 to 160? I, I, I wouldn't mind it. I did the penalty plans are different. Like that last man said, they're like, that's a bit severe if you're going to lose your license. I would like that. So that would be a better option than doubling penalty points. I think so. Okay. All right. Good stuff. All right. Cheers, Karen. Drive safely. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll come back to speeding and fines and penalty points and the increases in fines from today after 10 o'clock this morning. So I'd love to get your thoughts on it. But one story that I did mention there in the papers earlier on is the tragic death of little Hannah, little two-year-old girl up in County Leash uh, who has uh, died. She drowned in a paddling pool. Yet another paddling pool drowning. And you're only talking about a few inches of water in a, in a paddling pool and everybody is absolutely heartbroken. There's a lovely photograph of the small little girl, little two-year-old Hannah, on the front page, big smiling face in her. Um, and it reminded me uh, of little Avery Green who drowned in a pool in Alicante after he wandered away from the family when they were on halls in 2019. I spoke to his mum Amanda uh, on the air a, a couple of times since. I wonder how she's recovering and getting on with her life slowly but surely. I hope she joins me by phone. Amanda, good morning. Hi, how are you? So when you heard the news of poor little Hannah, it must have been a right stab in the heart. It's, it's, it's a stab in the heart every time I, I hear a story like that. Last year, last week, um, yesterday. Hmm. Yesterday was uh, World Drowning Prevention Day, the 25th of July. Was it? Yeah, I didn't um, know that. Was yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, City Hall went blue, County Hall went blue, Crosshaven House... Uh, the lifeguards were out with their blue stripes on their faces. Um, Liam Neeson um, lent his voice again this year to, um, you know, try to send a message, you know, to share one piece of water safety advice. Okay, well, I'm, well it might be one day late, but it's never too late, as the fuller says, sure it's not. But poor little Hannah, it, it must have been only a few inches of water in a paddling pool. You, you can, you, yeah, you can drown in a bucket of water. Yeah. It, and it, it, it and as I said so many times, it's, it's thirty seconds. It's thirty seconds for that 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 family that that whole family's life to change, and for Hannah to be there one minute and to be gone the next. You know, um, I suppose what happened to us has now happened to them. Our story has now become their story. Our story has become other people's story, mm. and you know. It, it's going to continue, and I suppose what what can we do? You know, what what can we do this this summer? I absolutely dread the summer. I dread looking at papers. I dread looking at Facebook. I dread looking at um, you know, text messages coming in saying, "Did you hear? Did, did you hear of this poor family? Did you hear of this poor boy? Did you hear about this poor girl?" 
are either abroad or, you know... I know, in yeah, yeah. I mean, you have said that all it takes is 30 seconds for a child to drown. And you've also said that drowning, drowning is silent. It's, it's a it silent is. killer, yeah. It is. Some, somebody could be drowning next to you and you don't know. You think they're having fun, you think they're splashing, you think they're waving. They're, they're not. Um, as, as, you know, the same with Avery. Avery walked out a door that was closed but not locked. Yeah. And down, down to a pool. Um, no, nobody saw him, nobody heard him until somebody was walking past on their morning walk, minding their own business I with know. their son and, and saw, saw him in the pool. Uh, is it getting any? So yeah. Is it getting any easier for you to bear the loss? Um, I, 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 every day is different. Um, you know, some some days you think you you have your you know your pity party, and you know why me? And then you have to kind of kick out and say you know why why not me? I'm no we are no different than than any other family. Yeah. Avery was no different than any other three of three or four year old. Um, you know, walking around every day. Uh, but yeah, you, you you have a different life. Your normal is different. You smile different. Um, I suppose you see things differently. Um, I hug my children tighter. Mm-hmm. I tell my children every single day, 50 times a day that I love them. Mm. I kiss them a million times a day um, because I know that the last time I kissed Avery, I didn't, it, it, was for the, it was the last time. And I would have hugged, hugged him that bit harder, and I would have kissed him um, that bit longer. I know. You know. know. Um, you, but yeah, you, you haven't. You actually haven't been near water yourself since, have you? I haven't. No. And no, before, I and before that, you would have, right? Um. Yeah, I would have. Like, I, I would, I would have swam, and I would have gone in, uh, gone into the water, and I would have gone into the sea. Um. I. Uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just it's just no longer it's no longer for me the noise and the splashing and um, I suppose the children's voices and yeah. stuff like that. I think you said um, you, you were quoted as saying that you found it overwhelming. You couldn't do. Yeah, but I did because even the the two girls went back swimming kind of straight away when we came back when they went back to school because they were of the age where the school were bringing them to the pool. And I went, I went once, and just um, I couldn't. I could the, the noise and splashing, and the, mm, mm. I, 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 just, I just couldn't. So I, I kind of had to just leave. Um, yeah. And yeah, I haven't. It, it's no longer for me. And what of paddling pools themselves? Uh, because they, they're, they're deadly if a child or a toddler is in there unattended. You wouldn't be saying that people shouldn't have paddling pools, would you go that far? Oh no! no. Oh no! Sure, we we have a we have a pool out our, our our back. Yeah, yeah. You know, we you, you can't you can't stop having you know you can't stop having fun. You can't you know you can't pre- we can try and prevent it from happening. Yes, uh, you know, empty empty the paddling pools, turn them over, um, just make sure your doors are locked. Uh, in, and I know it, it's it's easy for 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 me to say, um, you know, it's it's one hundred percent supervision, um, and even you know, even at at the beach, these inflatables, I call them bright colourful killers. What do you call them? Sorry, Amanda. The bright colourful killers. These bright are, these colourful killers. Why do you say that? Yeah. They. 
you know, you see, you see the flamingos, you see the unicorns, yeah. you see the watermelons. Yeah. Um, I suppose these can be pulled out to sea. Yeah. But also, I've seen them with people that have um, pools in their back. They can also be flipped over, and if children are oh on them, they, God, tend, yeah. they tend they tend to hold on to them when they're falling off. They actually land on them, and the child gets trapped under them. I have I've actually seen this happen as well in a pool while I was on holidays, and it was actually um, an alligator that had handled. Yeah. The child went to went to fall off, never let go of the alligator, and was trapped under the alligator and couldn't find any headspace to the surface. So you're on a different level of alert having gone through the tragic loss of your son. You see things, um, you know, and you see the potential risk and everything and the idea is to try and get others to see the potential risk as well. 100%. Um, I suppose as I go as I go along as I, and as I'm and myself and Leanne Maverley uh, are working with uh, Water, Water Safety, Safety Ireland, Ireland. Yeah. We do see, um, I suppose, the risks and um, where it can happen and what can happen and how it can happen. The different types of drowning. You know, you have your secondary drowning, you have your dry drowning. These are all things that, um, I suppose, we're all learning and we're all... What are they, Amanda? What are they? I suppose um, secondary drowning is where you, you actually don't have to be in the water at all. You could be outside the water. You've just taken on so much, like you've, you've drank a lot of water. And your lungs fill with 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 water. And and what was the other one you mentioned? Dry drowning. The, the dry 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 drowning is where you can and, and it's the same thing. It's where your lungs and your body take on so much water from, we say, the pool or the sea, and you drown on land. And the and that that, that I think there was a story about that in the paper during the week as well, where uh, some some singer, um, their son had a temperature just started to change, started vomiting, had seizure, ended up in hospital. And it was actually, he was dry drowning uh, because he had taken on so much. You know, when they came up, he'd water in his lungs, he started coughing and he ended up in hospital. And it was actually the causes, they said it was dry drowning. Yeah. How how are you with with your other children then, swimming and using the water, pools and the beach and things like that? Do 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 you worry? I do. I do. I do. I, um, I, I don't, they're never, su- they're never unsupervised, I suppose, when anywhere near water, whether it's in a bath, whether it's in a shower, whether it's in the pool. Um, you know, if I see them, and we say at a lake, you better take three steps back there, because, you know, because you, even Augusta winds there could blow I know. you. Sure you, I know. you don't know. know. You know, you I don't know. know. So I'm always, always very cautious near water. I wish I was cautious, more cautious three years ago. I wish I wasn't so complacent that um, the same with Avery. We were doing stuff there that we had done every day. He would lie on the couch. I would tidy up. Um, but sure, like, what day. could you do differently? Never, he he was one day, he, one minute he's in the front room, wasn't he watching television? And you were making yeah, the yeah, you were making the dinner next next room. He um yeah he was he was inside yeah. watching Paw Patrol and I was cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. Um. And uh, and even at that, uh, you know, if someone's knocking at the door and you, you have your child in the bath or you have your child in the pool or let them knock. If you want to put on the kettle, if you need to go to the bathroom, bring them in. If they kick and scream for that 10 minutes, you know, uh, wrap them in a towel, bring them in. Same thing, for, you know, phone, Kindle, 
people get distracted. Um, so do you rack yourself w- with guilt that if I'd done things differently, if I'd only done this, if I hadn't done that, he'd still be here? Does that play on your mind? Well, that's, that's, Does no, it? always, always. If I, if I had locked that door, he wouldn't have gone out. 100%. If I, the doors were closed, but if they were locked, he would not have been able to get out. Um, and I suppose that, that's what I have to live with. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, it, I, you know, it, it was an accident, and a tragic accident, but I suppose it was, it was an accident where I was the adult and I could have prevented it. But people, people, are, people say then to me, you know, they believe in the universe and they believe in, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. And he could have just have gone on another way. You know, if if you want to believe and if you want to believe in yeah, it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 100%, you know, um, he was my son. I, I brought him on holidays. It was my watch. Um, and I suppose we're always looking for someone to blame. So I suppose, yeah, I would, in one respect, I would blame myself uh, for... For, for, a, for Avery. That's so sad. It really and truly is. You're carrying all of that. I hope it gets easier, you know? I really it do. It does, it does. Yeah. And I, like, Mary, I've, I've two girls, I've two absolutely, two girls here at home that I'm, you know, so proud of and they're so strong and they're absolutely amazing and I had Avery for three years and I'm, you know, I'm blessed that I had mm. him for the three years and mm. that he chose me to be his mom and I, I you know, I, I suppose I wish I just had him for that little bit I longer. Know, I know, I know. Listen, um, thanks so much for taking the call. Uh, words of warning, words of caution for all of us, particularly families with small children. Look after yourself, Amanda. Stay in touch and thank you for taking thanks the call. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Amanda Cambridge, ma'am, to little uh, Avery and uh, we wish her well. It's such a sad and tragic story. Back after 10, text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Reminding us again to be awfully careful around water, whether it's in your back garden or whether it's in a lake or whether it's in the sea. Particularly small children, they just love water and they don't see the danger in it. With regards to earlier on, I was telling you, it was alleged a driving instructor yelled, JC, as in um, the... uh, JC woman, your handbrake, roared at her um, at a driving test candidate. Another claimed that they were penalised for easing off the accelerator in extremely wet conditions. You would think that you would, but apparently not. And this is just a couple of uh, complaints that were made to the Road Safety Authority of a driving testers. And we were asking people uh, about your own driving test experience. Uh, Ryan said, I didn't pass the first time because I lost my tax disc somehow. The second time, uh, my insurance disc was out of date. But the third time, I actually got to sat in the car. And it was grand. Passed it. Third time lucky. Well, I suppose if you have an out of date insurance policy, they're not going to do the test on it. And even if your tax disc isn't up, that's the first thing they check, actually, isn't it? They go to the windscreen, they check all your discs. I passed the first time, but I remember my driving instructor pre-test told me to overtake a tractor on a continuous white line. Because if I didn't, I'd fail the test for not making progress. To this day, I'm not sure if this was correct. Thankfully, on the day of my test, I didn't come across any tractors. And thank God you didn't. And I passed, says Jason. That was 20 years ago. That's a very interesting thing to be told to do, to 
overtake a tractor on a continuous white line because otherwise you wouldn't be making progress. I would say that's wrong. That's got to be dangerous driving, doesn't it? Claire's doing her tests at the moment, actually, and is uh, knocking it out of the ballpark and we'll do the, doing her actual official test soon. So we'll see how she gets on when that happens. A friend of mine was doing a test. She made a mistake halfway through and she turned to the tester and said, I suppose that's me failed, is it? To which the tester said sarcastically, well, what do you think? So my friend asked her to get out of the car. The tester was horrified because she was in the middle of nowhere in Nace and it was long before mobile phones, says Teresa. (laughs) Did that really happen? I've heard that story so many times where people have booted the tester out of the car. I did pass my test first time, but one criticism from the instructor afterwards was that I was driving too slow in a housing estate. It was 8.45 in the morning on a weekday morning and there were kids running for the school bus from all angles. I'd rather get told off than have had my li- and have my license taken from me if something more sinister had happened because I was driving too fast in a housing estate. And just one or two more, I was driving eight months and passed my test first time. That's about 21 years ago. I had a really nice tester guy. I was the last person on a Saturday and he asked me my plans for the weekend. <clears throat> I told him I'm going to a niece, my niece's christening right after this. And he said, yeah, I'm heading back to Dublin. I think that was the reason I passed because it was heading into the weekend and he was rushing home. Well, they say, Anne-Marie, the timing is everything. Uh, I read of a woman failed just as a woman stepped onto the pedestrian crossing. That's very unfair, right? I mean, are you supposed to keep an eye on them as they're walking up towards it as well? I mean, they're supposed to stop first, look left and right, and then cross on the pedestrian crossing. So I don't think that's very fair. I failed for not making progress outside Wilton Shopping Centre two days before Christmas. Myself and 3,000 other drivers. Those testers are absolute gas, says Noel. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, so we know of lots more speed cameras that have been rolled out this morning. And at the same time, it's been announced that fines are being doubled to €160. You want to pick up on all of that? Well, first of all, I think think, uh, on the speed cameras, I think... The majority of them are in bad locations, tell you the honest truth. Um, if you look at where they are and go back in history, how many accidents are, how many accidents are and serious deaths are, are, are on that section of road? Do they not say that they put the vans with the cameras in places where there's been accidents or deaths, no? Yeah, well, if you go back, go back, go back and go back and on the history and for some of them and, and, and see, like down the Borough Manor Road, you know, uh, there's, there's always an old van down there. Out in the Zara, there's always a van out there. I, I'm on the road seven days a week, nearly 350, 352 days a year. Go away. I don't see accidents along, along them roads. Okay, and how, how do you manage with all of the speed cameras and, uh, you know, the driving, you know, the hundreds and 60 and 50 zones? How do you get on with all that? Well, I, well, I suppose they, if you get caught once, should be enough. Do you know what I mean? So you're always you're always alert and you follow and you drop I, down. I, I do, I, I do, I do tell you too because when you're when you're driving for a living and it's your bread and butter and if you're caught once, when you, when you pay up like you have to, you have to be careful in on the road. Yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. So you want to also pick up on slow drivers, is it? And slow, and slow driving there too. If you like, if you go around to the, onto the main road, they're doing a hundred and a hundred and a hundred and twenty. You, you drivers there, as, as I call them there, that's the Sunday drivers, they're doing 80 and 60 miles, 60 kilometres an hour, 
and the traffic built up behind them. So that's what accidents cause then as well. Are they, so are they, they, are they by and large nervous drivers, would you think? I don't know what they are. They probably are, I suppose, really. But if they're that nervous, they shouldn't be on the road then. Like, you know yeah, what I, mean? I often driving, wonder... Like, driving is all confidence. Driving is confidence, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because somebody who's doing 60 on a country road where you could easily do 80 or 90, even though, you know, you can do 100, but I think some of them are... I think some of the speed limits on some of those roads are too high, to be honest with you. They're quite dangerous, some of them. But it will lead you to overtake them dangerously, won't it? It would, yeah. That's what I frustrate. And even me, if you go, if you go, if you go around to Link Road, you're heading back to the Clown, you know, and, and, up, and up the Dublin Road, and the dual carriageways, they're still only doing the, the 80, 80, 70 kilometres an hour, where they should be doing the 100, 120. Like, that, that's where, that's, and drivers then, cars then are, are slipping out and cars coming up behind them and hitting them, like, you know. And you, it, ends up, it ends up forcing other drivers to take, a, to take a risk, isn't it? It does, it does, it does, it does. That's what I'd be saying. Like, I, I, think, I'm a, I think I'm nearly positive that over in England, if, if, you, if you're caught driving too slow, you can be done. You can, you can be fined. I'm sure I heard that before. There. Yeah, find out. I didn't think you could be fined for it. I think you can be failed for it. All right. You'd be failed yeah, yeah. in a test for driving too slow. Well, I, I think, I, I think if, if you're driving too slow on some of the roads over there, they're fine as well OK good point let me pick up on that one from yeah. Con take care Paul appreciate it I'll let you get back uh, to our morning uh, thanks uh, for listening Con good morning Neil good morning how are you doing I'm good my man are you home or are you overseas I'm actually in Glen Park uh, uh, waterfalls as, as we speak you are posting some fabulous photographs on Instagram Con they're gorgeous you're everywhere no, and anywhere no, no problem they're fabulous <coughs> anyway you got busted I got busted for 83 miles per hour in a 70 zone on a dual carriageway on my way to work in, uh, in Sheerness in Kent. Right, right, right. A camera was there on the roadside. It wasn't actually down the corner. I got the wrong instruction. I had to put the foot to the floor to get to, get to my job on the river. And I had the option was either £100 fine, three points, £80, sit down for five hours and have an awareness course, which I choose to do. Okay, so you, you could have paid the fine, taken the penalty points, or paid a lower fine and got um, no points, but you had to do a day course, is it? A day course, and you do not, you do not have to um, declare the incident with your insurance. Okay, and was that, was that day course of any benefit to you at all? It was. It was amazing how it was. And people a lot younger than me, Neil, they were actually, sometimes, you know, we're all on the highway for a long time and we forget, we forget some of it, you know. It was quite good and we were able to have a debate about it, have throw little breaks about incidents that happened to us and, um, in our driving history. And do we have that here in Ireland? Is that option available that you can do a kind of no, a refresher? It, no. It, okay. It's not here. And I think, you know, something... Uh, it's a good thing because like all of us said we had, we had a bit of a debrief after how we all achieved something by it and we were able to also speak to the people there who were doing that course for us to say how we felt about it. Did they show you any photographs or videos of accidents? No. Right. Which no, I think that might be an eye-opener. 
Well, I, we had to do that when I took my heavy goods license for the CPC. That's a fairly daunting thing to do as well, you know. But for that, there wasn't. But there was actually locations in towns and areas where you don't see speed limit signs, but you should know by the area for lampposts and things. That will tell you what zone you're in without yeah. the 30-mile limit, which is quite clever. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and, and ever since that incident, you've, drive, you've driven safer and slower. Well, it never happened before, and I suppose I was waiting, uh, I was on standby at home, and the captain called me, asked me where I was. I said, I'm on standby. He said, no, Connie, he said, I'm sorry, but your duty today, you should be here on the tug. So needless to say, I forgot about the limit a bit. I was you put the boot the, down was, then, yeah. Oh, foot, foot to the carpet, because there was a ship coming in, and they needed me on board. But I knew very well, when I saw the, when I saw the van, I knew there was something ahead of me that I had to face, you know? Gotcha, yeah, and it was there in the post waiting for you, yeah. Okay, all right, good words of wisdom. Just before I let you go, you are, as I said, on Instagram and you're travelling the Wild Atlantic Way. Where have you been? Where have you been? We've done it all three years ago, myself and Alison, but we've stopped doing that now. We are are up here in Glencar. We, we're just up in this part of Sligo, east from Roscommon, and we're heading out west today, out into Sligo again, out to Eastkey, then down we're going to do the, uh, down into um, Westport, and uh, do, uh, down to the, uh, into Connemara, that's our plan this time. Okay, but, because you've, you've, you've done others, because um, I see photographs as well, where you were doing the Black Valley, so you were certainly doing sort of south and west Kerry at some stage. Oh yeah, we've done, we, we've done all that. We've done all that. We're coming back to some of the places, Neil, that we've been before because there, there is an attraction there for us. And uh, look, and I just heard there about the gentleman on about the slow drivers with motorhomes and camper vans have a little bit of a habit of that but I'm a fairly... Uh, I'm a courteous driver. I will pull over when, I can, when it's safe to do so and let anybody overtake me. Okay, so I, are you in a camper van? I am, yes. Ah, so you have no stories regarding uh, guest houses, B&Bs or hotel prices then? You don't oh, not at all. No, that, that's not very long past that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, how are you finding prices though as you're going around? Well, prices are looked there as they are and the fuel is expensive. My philosophy is, look, as you know, I'm an ex-drinker. I'd rather, fi- I'd rather fire the fuel in the tank of the old camper van and drive on. It, that's how I. Uh, that's how I balance. Yes, it. indeed. You have it's a good. Philo- you have a great philosophy in life. Good to know you. <laughs> H- hold on there one second. Did you want to jump in there, Kevin? No, you're sorry. I thought you were looking at me for camper vans. He says that, that camper vans. He is a camper van, and he pulls in, and other camper vans should pull in. Oh, should we? I was the saint last week that did the same thing. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I've been in those cars behind those camper vans doing eighty on a hundred road, and there is nothing more frustrating like I, I, you know trying to get up to a City away match on a Friday afternoon you leave at 3 o'clock and you're only just getting into the ground before 8 because you're stuck behind a tractor or a camper van for 40 minutes doing 60 along the road no. be courteous get Absolutely. out of the damn way get out of the way alright ok <laughs> nice one look after yourself Con drive safely cheers pal take care you take care Neil all, all the best, best. bye bye get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM Openers this morning on the rules of the road. It's a grey area, but you are allowed to cross a continuous white line to pass an obstruction when safe to do so. Uh, yeah, maybe a stationary obstruction or maybe roadworks. You'd go round it in a white line or maybe a stopped vehicle. Uh, but anyway, the text just says tractors or other very slow moving vehicles can be considered obstructions. 
thing is with tractors now able to do speeds of up to 60 kilometers they'll very rarely be legitimate obstructions as they're quite big or long these days it'll rarely be considered safe to overtake them on a continuous white line the point here being that it's a gray area but you can uh, cross a continuous white line to pass an obstruction so we're learning a lot this morning uh, but yesterday I've been I've been accused of being a typical tennis fan clueless about any other sport I mentioned yesterday I know yesterday you know something with Kerry winning the All-Ireland yesterday there wasn't a tourist milked in Kerry yesterday there wasn't a tourist milked in Kerry on Monday that was a tweet that I saw last night I thought it was very funny uh, I was saying that if I in winning the All-Ireland if, if Cork can't win it I was suggesting yesterday that maybe we'd be happy with Kerry winning it and <laughs> people people thought I was a climate denier <laughs> That's another story, I suppose. Not everybody was happy. If Cork can't win, I'd much prefer to see another Monster team win than anyone else. But somebody says, typical tennis fan, you're absolutely clueless. As in, no to Kerry winning if Cork can't. Uh, here's a s- serious one. It was a McDonald's in the Commons Road on Thursday at half past 11 in the morning with my two grandchildren, aged two and two and a half. Uh, the young girl, grandchild, started choking on her meal. I went into an absolute panic, says Veronica. I eventually freed the food, but in the meantime two men in high-vis jackets called 999. Once the ambulance came, they left knowing the child had been looked after medically. I'd love to thank them for what they did and for their help and intervention. Uh, That was a close one. Glad you knew what you were doing and you managed to uh, free the food so the child didn't choke. Text 0868104106 I was telling you uh, stories yesterday regarding, or people were telling stories about uh, Ryanair charging people on the back leg of their journey, coming home from their holidays, extra for bags and what have you. Uh, Ryanair are a joke. I'm not surprised they they charged for that little boy's bag. I just came back from Spain. They charged me 50 euro for my eight-month-old baby to sit on my lap for the flight. That was an incredible text from yesterday. 45 euro is a small price to pay to pacify your child and those around him, says Sean in Mallow. Yeah, but they equally could have let the little lad, he's on the autism spectrum, just bring on his... uh, his, his little game with them and, and sit quietly playing it without having to charge mammy and daddy 45 euro for the privilege. I was in Tenerife for the start of July. I flew with Ryanair, had no problem with them. I took two bags on board, didn't get asked to pay for them and the staff couldn't be more helpful. Glad to hear it. The only bag you're allowed to bring on board if you book non-priority with Ryanair is a handbag size. I've seen people in the check-in in non-priority queues with 10 kilo bags. At some airports, uh, Ryanair workers will walk along the non-priority queue, pick them out and charge you rightly for these bags. Yellow tag the bags and put them in the hold on the plane. Always remember about Ryanair. It's their plane. You're playing by their rules. Morning, my son is coming home from England next week and he had to pay £50 for his eight-month-old baby. So it is definitely true. Wow. My God. And that's just to sit on your lap. I'm not trying to defend Ryanair, but let's be honest. People go out on holidays with a 10 kg bag, do a bit of shopping over the week or two that they're there, and then try to fit everything back into a 10 kg bag that went out with. It's bursting at the seams coming back. It ain't a Mary Poppins bag, says Dave. And just two more regarding Ryanair. Despicable. My family and I were going on holidays in 2019. I was then diagnosed with breast cancer and obviously had to cancel the flights. Ryanair owes us 400 euro and to this day, they have not refunded the money. Shame on them. And one more. It's just simple with Aer Lingus. You're allowed one bag in the cabin, but it must fit under the seat by your feet. You're allowed the same bag plus a 10 kg bag on board if you have priority boarding. 
And if you want, you can put your 10k bag in the hold. That's free of charge. It's simple, really. Couldn't be more simple on Aer Lingus, says Marie in Clon. So text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Andrew, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, I'm looking for people's driving test stories. The good, the bad and the ugly. What have you got for me? So, when I was doing my test, I was asked to pull it off round with, you know, the small one there by the side of Kelleher's. Kelleher's electrical, is it? Yeah. I do, one. I yeah. do, I do. I know so Kelleher's electrical, as, yeah. Yeah, yeah as, as you well know, that's busy enough round about, and I was on it, and literally, I genuinely couldn't, couldn't go in any way, shape or form until there was a break. And now, I passed the test first time, but when I got back to the test centre, she said, oh, you could have you could have gone on a few different occasions at that roundabout. And she's like, I think I know, you, I think you know the roundabout I'm talking about. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, I was, I, she said that I passed, but she said, like, progression there, you could have gone. And that's like, a, that's actually the, the, the Tremor Road roundabout. By the, yeah, by, I know the one. Isn't it by the Garda yeah. station? Yeah, there's yeah. a small, small little kind of saucer one there. Yeah, yeah. You go round it to get you go round it to get over the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the exact one. Yeah, uh, but but, so but, like, but was your contention you'd have crashed if you did what she wanted yeah. you to do? Yeah, literally. Yeah, but like literally, there was a car pulled out in one of the other lanes, and that gave me the break then to go. Yeah, as a, like whereas other than that, I couldn't have gone because if I if I did have go, I would have literally crashed and he would have been failed automatically and probably off the road. Yeah, I imagine you would. You crashed in a roundabout, you're hardly going to pass your driving test, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you, but you passed you nonetheless. Yeah, exactly, but she said that could be something that you could work on, because the way they have to give pointers as to where you can improve and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Be faster darting onto roundabouts. <laughs> I don't think so though and have you, uh, do you do you have any penalty points do you have any fines or anything like that no alright no. okay and do you have any issue with them doubling the penalty points this morning oh, sorry doubling the fines from 80 to 160 um, I suppose they probably would encourage people to slow down mm. yeah I suppose it would like yeah you don't think it would have been a better, better option to double Penalty points, no? Uh, no, I suppose maybe maybe for like like if using a phone and stuff, maybe but for speeding, not so much. Okay, okay. So you're all in favour of higher penalty, higher higher fines then. Okay, nice one. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Take okay. care. Thanks, okay. Andrew. Uh, text 0868104106, Particularly if you have a, a driving test story that you would like to share, we have hampers to give away this week. They were three hundred and fifty euro each, and they're filled with the very best of produce from uh, different companies in Douglas Court Shopping Centre. You know the food food court there in Douglas Court. So that would be uh, Garden Goodness. Hassett's Bakery, the Good Fish Company and the Butcher's Block. So four family-owned businesses you'll find in Douglas Court Shopping Centre in the fabulous food court. So with Garden Goodness, you're getting all of the fruit and vegetables, obviously. Uh, The Good Fish Company, award-winning fish retailers. Beautiful, beautiful fish. Uh, The Butcher's Block will sort you out for premium meats, meats, including their Himalayan salt-dry-aged steak. And Hassett's, of course, then for all of the cakes and the cream and the cookies and the crackers and the biscuits and the they also do pies and quiche and fabulous sausage rolls. So it'll be a chock full hamper for the best text or email. So text 0868104106.
get on the air and we'll pick up on the conversation. In in other news, with regards to texts and emails from yesterday's programme, you know, we were talking about children who um, you are know, on the autism spectrum and um, become very much attached to particular items in their lives. Uh, with the little lad on the airplane, it was his uh, it was his tablet because he played games on it, and uh, you know, routine is very important to to children with with autism. But I mentioned that because I got a uh, a text in saying that my son was in the grounds of McCroom Castle. Uh, this came in yesterday, so it would have been on Sunday evening. It was about quarter past eight um, at the exercise equipment near the GA pitch at McCroom Castle. He had a large wooden gun with him that he had made himself in school, a wooden gun, and he put it down for a moment and forgot about it. When he remembered and ran back at a quarter to nine, it was gone. Somebody told them they saw two young children pick it up and leave with the gun and their mother. My son is absolutely distraught because the gun meant so much to him because he made it himself in school. He has autism and is very attached to it. He even insisted on ringing the guards in McCroom to get them to look at CCTV. He desperately wants his gun back. Would anyone be in a position to help out? Now, I pass that on just in case somebody has come across it because to a child with autism who becomes very attached to a particular thing, in this case, uh, it is the little lad's toy gun that he made himself, it would be great to get it back to him. Uh, but what, what I was very shocked about, actually, is that, uh, so he left his gun there, right? And then somebody sees two young children with what seemed to be their mother picking the gun up and taking it away, and the mother allowing him, allowing the children to do that. You would think that the mother or whoever the adult was would say, no, it's best to just leave it there where it is or prop it up against a tree or leave it there because whoever owns it will come back looking for it. But no, that didn't happen. Quite the opposite. So if anybody can help in that regard, please do, because you make a little boy very, very happy. Just get in touch with us here. Text 0868104106 and we can put mam and dad uh, in touch with you and we can sort that out. Lots on tap and go um, and whether or not the world is uh, changing with the you know cash being uh, no longer required or welcomed in many, many shops. Secret Garden, that's the late night club part of Reardon's, is cashless. But apparently the rest of Reardon's still takes cash. Boojum in town is completely cashless, but they do tell you when you're ordering. Imagine you're in a pub having just paid for your pint using your card and somebody hacks in, sees where you are, sees what you've bought and notifies someone else who's uh, um, uh, ready and willing to go and break into your house. Things are not safe anymore. We are being tracked and hacked. Well... That's a, that's a far stretch of the imagination, but I know where you're going with And that one. South Dock on Saturday night only took cash. I had my, I had my son there. Uh, we only had a card. Uh, they said the, the, the machine was down and they told us to go to Circle K as they had cash machines and an ATM there. What a joke. Well, machines can go down. That's the thing. You'll never fully get rid of cash because technology breaks down, whereas cash in your pocket cash in your pocket. Okay, um, thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, those texts are great. With, uh, we're talking earlier about people in the different holidays, the jobs they got during their summer holidays as kids or whatever. I did the wash-up uh, in the kitchen of a hotel. I gave my mam some money every week towards the bills. I also did babysitting for my neighbours around the village. Made decent money, says Cathy. Not only I worked on the car ferry from Ross Lair to Pembroke for two summers. I was on a week-on, week-off, age 17. Best thing was I was able to get crew duty-free on my trip. 
Um, I didn't smoke, but my buddies loved the duty-free and a couple of bottles of alcohol as well. Money was over £200 a week and I was absolutely loaded. Bear in mind, this was in 1984 and 1985 when £200 a week was a lot of money. Morning, worked in a restaurant and babysitting and I also worked in a mushroom factory. This is Patricia in McCroom. Somebody else says, I worked in Halpin's restaurant in Cook Street in 1979 for £25 for five days' work. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Halpins. Oh, that was a great restaurant inside in town. Actually, if you if you want to go back and still eat the original curry that was done in Halpins, you'll get it in Eco in Douglas. Same family. Uh, I started put. I started many moons ago planting cabbage for a local company. We went out in hail, rain, or shine. Early starts to late evenings on the back of a tractor all summer long. The first week, I woke sitting up in bed planting cabbage in my sleep. <laughs> Great times, though. I must have been about 12 in the summer holidays, maybe during secondary school. Don't think I handed up any money at home, though. Uh, I'm a social care worker now. Just started some annual leave, uh, so I'll be off to the beach as often as I can. Well, I hope you got to the beach last week when there were beach days around. Hopefully we'll get another few of those in the not-too-distant future. So keep those coming, too. Text 0868-104-106. Update on Reardon's. Reardon's have two cash tills and hope to go cashless in the coming weeks. And this has been confirmed with their manager yesterday afternoon, that in the coming weeks they will completely go completely cashless. So, so it is happening where cash will no longer be welcome in more and more businesses. Is that a good thing or not? I'll let you decide. Vince, good morning. How are you doing, Neil? This could be hard to beat. You failed your test without ever starting the car. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, it's a few years ago now. I was I was actually in the UK and uh, I I went to do my driving test. I was about nineteen, I guess. Um, and I sat into the car and, and the, the the tester he asked me to read the number plate of the car just up ahead of me, and uh, I could barely make out the car. You know, it was just like a, a blur in the distance. So there's no chance I could read that number plate. Now, to be fair, he he got he got out of the car. He took out a measuring tape and he measured the distance exactly and stood me at, at the end of the tape and said, now read it. And I couldn't read it. And he just said, no, you failed. <laughs> what? what? The measuring yeah. tape. Stop the car, yeah. measure the distance between your car and the car that he wants you to read the reg of. Yeah, well, he didn't stop the car because the car never started. But uh, yeah. yeah, he measured he measured the exact required distance as per the test because you didn't have to you didn't have to produce anything from your doctor or anything like that to say your eyes were good you just he just you just had to read the uh, a sign from a certain distance i couldn't read it so he, he put me on on the spot he said this is the exact distance can you read it no so he sent me home that nah, failed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I had do to you have back, yeah. do you have or did you have bad eyesight Oh yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know it. I didn't know I had bad eyesight because uh, I kind of passed through the schooling system without without it being detected. Go away. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, I, I I went and got my eye tested after that, and I got I got some glasses. I walked out the door of the opticians, and I, and I went, oh my god, <laughs> this is what the world looks like. Vince, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Up until then, everything was kind of a fuzzy blur, was it? Yeah, but I thought everybody saw this. <laughs> Same as I did. I didn't know any different. Oh, for God's sake. You know, I only had my own experience. Yeah, I don't I don't experience your eyesight or anybody else's eyesight. So you thought everybody everybody saw what you saw, you thought? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know any different. So you mean okay, so in, in school, could you see the blackboard? 
Sure, but I, I, but I, I sat up the front of the class, not because I was studious or anything like that, just because I couldn't see the blackboard from, from the back, so I just sat up the front. So, yeah. What's that? Uh, that was, and my, my, my first understanding of not having good eyesight was, the fa- was failing a test for a driving test at 19. So you, okay, so you couldn't even see the car, never mind the registration well, plate on the car. I could see the car, but, you know, it was a, it, everything was blurry and I couldn't absolutely not see the number plate. Okay, okay. Uh, and did anyone pick up, your parents, or anyone pick up on the fact that you had really yeah. bad eyesight in school or anything like that, no? No, no. No, okay. literally, it was it was the, the, the driving test that alerted me to having bad eyesight. <laughs> what am I hearing there in the background? A cockadoodle do is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do? You yeah. keep do you keep hens and chickens and things? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What when for? I can find when I can see them? <laughs> <laughs> what do you keep them for? Eggs? Is it? Yeah, just for eggs. Yeah. Uh, are they your own or do you do you sell them? No, no, they're just my own. Yeah, I don't sell them. No. <laughs> okay. All right, great story. Thanks for sharing. Take care of yourself. No bother. Good luck. That would be hard to beat, wouldn't it? Des, good morning. Ten. All right, so you were going to do your test. What happened? No, I, well, I did my test years ago, right? So I went up to the driving centre, picked them up, and went out in my car and took off, ground job, you know? And uh, went up. I was up and by talker, yeah. and I knew a couple of lads, and we were stopped. Stopped by the hill. This is up by the five, the five star, you know. Yeah. And uh, tried to take off, and a couple of lads were there, and I stalled the fucking car yeah. because the lads were there looking at me, you know. <laughs> so we took off, and anyway, I was grinding them out. Drive, drive away, and then he said, "Right, stop again." So right, take off from this hill. So I took off from that hill, right? Uh, oh yeah, and before that, right, I had a buddy of mine. And he walked in the post yeah, office. Yeah, you forgot so that right. part. That's important. So yeah, I, yeah that, that's very important. A buddy of mine walked in the post office. He still walks in the post office. I robbed his shirt while I borrowed it. Right? I said, on post on it. An official on post shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why? So the whole, well, government and government. <laughs> you thought right? that was a guy. Okay, so it would be like an unwritten code between the driving tester and on post that. We need yeah, to look well, after once, each other. Once, once, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because once he say on post, he says, right, he's... He's one of on us. Post. He's <laughs> one of us, you know. <laughs> so that was, that was foil in a minute. So he came back in and went to the driving centre and he said, right, sit down. I said, Grant. He said, right. And, he, and then he took out this book and said, right, what's that sign, sir? I said, no, no parking. Are you sure about that? I said, I'm positive. Yeah, no parking. I said, right. And he turned the book over and he said, right, what's that thing to? I said, yeah, no parking. <laughs> right. Okay. So he got out his, the old pink book and he was fitting it all in. And I said to him, I said, well, well what's, what's the story? You know? <laughs> what's your age past? You passed? I passed. <laughs> Including what's stalling what? the car on a hill and you passed? Oh. Oh, including starting the car and everything. <laughs> you think? And you think it was the postman those, shirt that did it? I reckon so. Yeah, and those two signs I looked it up at they weren't they were no parking lot. <laughs> what were they for? Oh, I can't remember. No, <laughs> name for quite honest with you. <laughs> You're yeah, a hazard on the road, pal. You're a hazard with a oh, license. I, I haven't had an accident, <laughs> and I was. I'm. I'm 
And I got my license when I was 23, and I'm thinking, well, fuck the... Yet, no. Never a fine, never a tip, never a penalty point. Fair play to you. Never. It was, Not a thing. it was the shirt that did it, Des. It was the shirt. Oh, the, the shirt, yeah. <laughs> Anybody out there that knows a postman, Rob, he's short. Maybe by, or a guard uniform might do it, or maybe a nurse's uniform, or a stethoscope oh, around Jesus, your neck. No, Jesus, you get a nurse's uniform, he'd be asking what you're doing for the weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus, that's problem, All right, go on, nice one, take care. Mean one. <laughs> Norma, good morning. Hello, you hear me? Go, how yeah, are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. So what happened with your tester? Uh, with my tester, I set off in the car and everything was fine. And then he told me to adjust my seat that I didn't seem to be reaching the pedals very well. And he said, maybe you'd be more comfortable if you adjusted the seat. Good idea. So this was an old Toyota Crina E, which is a big car. And the driver of the car was quite a large man, so he had given me the car for the test. And when I caught the latch at the side, I slid right back into the back seat. <laughs> so the, the driver, I couldn't even, I had to take my hands off the steering wheel, everything. I couldn't reach anything. Oh, you, you were adjusting the seat while driving? Adjusting it while I was just about to go out onto the main road <laughs> coming up, and he told me to adjust it, and it just slid back. And the two of us just looked at each other, and I said, "Okay, I presume the test is over." <laughs> what, <laughs> and that was the end of it. What did the tester say when you said, "I presume the test is over"? He said, "I think so." Ah, <laughs> uh, that's bad form, though. That's just yeah, that's just an unfortunate thing that happened. Yes, but I suppose to be fair, it showed that I wasn't used to driving the car and that I wasn't, you know, familiar with the work. <laughs> so the test ended? The test ended, it did, yes. <laughs> oh, so, now, I, I shouldn't have been doing my test, I would say. I hadn't been driving long enough. I, <laughs> I'd say it was probably for the better. <laughs> you, you were chancing your arm the first time. Did you do, did you exactly. do it a second time? I did, yes. I passed it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, so, okay. That went a bit better. Yeah. Good for you. Well, you had the seat pre-adjusted before you went out the second time. Nice one, Norma. Thank you, Alice. Good morning. Oh, hi. Good morning, Neil. How no, are you? you. I'm good. This is about thirty years ago, is it? Oh my God. So I did my. T- I wasn't driving long. And, and you I never did no any lessons. lessons either. No, but I was driving around like the countryside. But I thought I was a great driver. <laughs> so I took no lessons. Went out and to do my test. I said I better do my test. Jeez, we were in the middle of a roundabout. I can't remember what roundabout, but I didn't know there was cars coming from everywhere. I'd never clue what to do. And the driver said, oh my, oh, the tester, we'll be killed. Oh my God, we'll be killed. <laughs> I'd know he got me back to the test and turned and I just did said, he, oh my he, God. Hang a second. Did he actually say that on the roundabout? We'll be killed, yeah. we'll be killed. Oh my God, oh. we'll be killed. <laughs> and I said, there's no roundabouts in Carrigny where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I can see myself in the middle of the roundabout Neil oh my god Jesus so you heard about the you heard about the tester who shouted at the woman because she was rolling down the hill Jesus Christ woman your handbrake oh yeah yeah <laughs> you had a kind of a similar one Jesus Christ woman we'll be killed I know oh my god did Jeez. he go on then did he go on then to say did you ever go round did you ever go round a roundabout in your life before yeah, and I said, there's no around the boats in Carignavar, where I come from. What I, said, I did it. Oh, my God. He got me back in there to the test and turned that was this. I failed and where it was. We'll be the, killed. We'll be killed. And the next time then I did it in Mallow, down in Mallow. No Mallow. 
I came out of the test centre and um, to the woman I had, and she, I said to her, will I go left or right on the dual carriageway? You can only go the way the road, the traffic is going. <laughs> yeah, I took no lessons for that either. But no, the next time, then the third time, lucky. Wait a second, lessons. just the second time when you drove out, you wanted to know whether you should go left or right on the dual carriage. What did the tester say? Oh, fail straight away. <laughs> fail straight away. Back to the... De- <laughs> <laughs> Will I go left or right on the dual car? Oh my god! <laughs> and the third time? <laughs> the third time, then I took two lessons. I did it in Mallow, but the person I took it uh, two lessons, but they were, they were recommended. They were very good. But he said that when I took the first lesson, he said, "Oh, you'd need about ten lessons." And I said to him, "Well, my drive. This was on Friday. My driving lesson is Tuesday. Your driving test said, is Tuesday. Uh, my driving test is Tuesday." And he said, "Oh, what? Geez, you'd need about ten. And I said, <laughs> "Look." Tuesday morning, would you give me a lesson? Just, we'll come out to the driving centre and we'll, um, show me where the tester would take it, kind of. So he did, and so I went and did my test anyway in the afternoon, and I passed. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that doesn't make you any, that doesn't make you any less of a dangerous driver. <laughs> no, but I'm, 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 I'm not a good driver. No, I only drive in the country. I can't go anywhere else. Why? Because I just, I, don't, I can't, I couldn't go to Man Point. Why, I, Why I not? Can't go I'm just, because I just can't, I'm afraid. I don't know. Would you not come in the road from Carrick-Navarre and go to Blackpool Shopping Centre, for instance? No, I, oh no, I go to Blackpool, but I can go to places like that. You know, I drove down to Cove once, I could do that again. Do you have to stay away from places where there are roundabouts or traffic lights or, um, you know... Yeah, yeah, Motor, yeah. Motorways or dual carriageways. I, yeah, and I can't understand the young people where they can just get into a car and just go out to these places. I can't, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I couldn't, I wouldn't even be able to drive up to Dublin like that. Why not? I don't know. What happens, <laughs> I, to, well, I mean, you, you, what happens to you when you come to a roundabout? Do you panic? Um, I kind of, I'm not too bad now because if I went there before, you know what I mean? But if it was a new, something new, like I often... Jeez, years ago there, I dropped my husband to work. I'd know it was out in Douglas, and I, I didn't know how to get. I was going all different roads. <laughs> you need sat nav. You need to put in sat nav. Oh, sat nav, Jesus! <laughs> What's that? I know I'm not that bad. Not. But um, I went to. I, I I was supposed to go to a funeral in Wilton. My neighbour's brother died. It was out in Wilton, so I said I'd head off out to Wilton. I can drive out to the regional. Right, so someone said it was out near Wilton, so I kind of was driving around anyway, and I pa- I I didn't know where I was going. I ended up. I rang my husband and said, "Oh my God, I'm going through the tunnel. I don't know where I'm going." <laughs> I don't, I know. I'm, oh my God, I'm little, little. <laughs> you're very qu- you're very quiet life in Carrick Navarre. Everything is just peaceful and quiet and calm. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, just country roads. The country. But my friends call me um, what's that um, rally driver. <laughs> Um, I, uh, Colin McRae Oh Rosemary Smith Rosemary Smith When I'm taking If I'm dropping them home From the public um, I'd say you're I don't the, I'd say you're the female Equivalent of Mr Bean <laughs> They'd be saying Oh my god Will you stop I have a night go But it's very fast But no but I don't drive that fast But it seems fast When people are in the car Like I don't know But they just said Jesus They're like uh, Rosemary Smith <laughs> Do you ever um, Did you ever see the old cartoon Years ago Mr Magoo 
Ja, oh ja. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be a better description of you. <laughs> God, I swear. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well done. Thanks for that. That'd be hard to beat, I can tell you. Well done, Alice. The instructor showed now that we'll be killed, we'll be killed, we'll be killed. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. A fabulous hamper to give away every day this week from Garden Goodness, Garden Goodness, Hassett's Bakery, the Good Fish Company, and the Butcher's Block. When you put all the hamper together, it's filled, chock filled with all of their great produce to the value of 350 euros. So keep your stories coming. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. No, you are right. I mean, I'm not denying it. You, somebody says by text, you might laugh at these stories, but people who can't drive safely can kill themselves and kill others. Yes, I mean, I take that as a gimme. I know that. You are right in that regard. There is a serious side to it, but they're, they're funny stories nonetheless. Uh, here's an interesting little bit on uh, driving testing. It's actually from the TV comedy series Taxi. Do you remember it? Very funny. Um, amongst the characters in it, of course, was the great actor Christopher Lloyd. Uh, he was the professor in Back to the Future. Fabulous, fabulous actor. Very funny. You know, one of these kind of people that can just be funny without even knowing that they are. But this is him, by all accounts. It's a funny clip just to take us up to news. He's, he's going for his driving test, right? He's a taxi driver, bear in mind. Um, have you ever experienced loss of consciousness, hallucinations, dizzy spells, convulsive disorders, fainting, or periods of loss of memory? Well, hasn't everyone? <laughs> but no. Um, mental illness or narcotic addiction? Now that's a tough choice. <laughs> no. Okay, th- that's it. You ready for the test? I thought this was a test. No, 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 this is the application. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Hey, it's getting rougher and rougher. I'm expecting the Mouseketeers any second. We just like them. I think that cubby's got it in for me. Really, it's going to be okay, you know? We'll, We'll just take your application up to the counter and then they'll give you the test, okay? Okay. They serve beer over there? No. You're going to need this. Yeah. I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. This is a joke. Uh, what are you worried about? What am I worried about? Two things. That they won't issue my license to drive in this city and that they will. Go get him. He's going to do it. You know he's going to do it. What does a yellow light mean? Slow down. Okay. What? You gotta laugh, don't you? Christopher Lloyd from Taxi. Text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 
104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Anyway, you know something? You're not unlimited As long as this hole's dry and it's reasonably good weather You can still get out and about And if you're scratching your head for things to do with the kids and what have you We have these wonderful family passes from last week And again this week for lots of different tourist attractions One of the great apps that you can download Is the Explore Cork app And it's got 850 places to see And things to do all over the great county of Cork And we have some more family passes to give away again uh, today. Uh, just a selection of what we've given away so far and we'll continue to give away. We have the self-drive boat tours from Cork Harbour Boat Hire, Shandon Bells, the West Cork Model Railway Village. I think I might be giving those ones away today. Clonakilty Visitor Centre, you know the Black Pudding Visitor Centre, Zippet and Farron Woods, West Cork Secret, Cork City Jail, Leisureplex. We gave away passes for Blackrock Castle Observatory, the UCC Tour, we did that. Leahy's Farm, Photo Wildlife Park, the Collegiate Church in Yall. Yesterday we featured the Yall Clockgate Tower, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Camden Fort Mar, Cove Heritage Centre, Spike Island, Michael Collins House we gave away uh, on Friday. That and lots more besides. So all that between now and midday today. You can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106 and uh, we'll drive on from there. Yesterday we were talking about uh, rates of pay, people going to college doing a college degree and then finding that it wasn't suited for them. You know, the vast majority, you're talking about 95, 96, 97% of people go to college now. Years ago, you would flip that the other way around. I was chatting about the trades and, and work like that. And we spoke about hospitality and people working in retail. Unfortunately, all too often uh, for a minimum wage, which is uh, 11 uh, you know, when you look at the, the two different wages, actually, that uh, come to play in this, you've got the minimum wage, which is €10.50, and you have the living wage, which is €12.17. It would be a great starting point, actually, if the minimum wage was actually the living wage, and then it would still be quite short. Mind you, somebody did say that €7.35 is the minimum wage in Ireland for those under the age of 18, and that's what a lot of employers pay. Who would want to work for that? Uh, somebody else says, John says, it's like the pubs. One pub will charge a fiver a pint, and the pub down the road will charge five fifty a pint for the same product. But the hospitality industry treats staff like dirt. In hotels, you come in for your six to eight hour shift and the manager will drop veiled threats that you must stay for many more hours than scheduled. No advance notice in hospitality. You're just expected to drop everything. This is widespread in many hotels. It's just considered normal that you'll work as many extra hours as the manager feels like on that day. We work with appalling working conditions. And who would want to work like that? Hospitality is tough. And of course, the hours are very unpredictable and the rates of pay not great. That's why I was talking last week about a situation within retail where many Dunn stores workers are on flexi hour contracts and they face low and insecure working hours. And they too have unpredictable working schedules, which can often vary between 15 hours one week, 35 hours the next week. They, I imagine the uncertainty of those hours must make it very difficult for people who are going to plan their day, their week or their lives. There's a point I'd put actually to Lorraine O'Brien, who's the divisional organiser with Mandate Trade Union. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. With a, with a situation like that, it must be very hard to plan your week or your life in general with any kind of routine, is it? It is, and unfortunately that's been a feature of retail for, for far too long now, and that's one of the reasons why in, in our, 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 our recently launched pay claim that we're looking for something called fair scheduling. Um, and, you know, just asking that people would have, you know, at least a month's notice of their roster so that they can plan a better work-life balance. Um, because obviously, you know, it's predominantly 
um, a female working environment mm. and they have other uh, obligations outside of just work and family obligations. So the need to plan is very important for them. And why does um, a schedule like that, a varying schedule like that, why does it suit the multinationals or retail to have somebody 15 hours one week, 35 the next week? Why, why is it beneficial? Well, I suppose for them, it gives them, I I suppose, complete autonomy and complete power over when and how they roster people to suit the needs of the business. Um, But of course, that doesn't take into account the the needs of their employees. So it gives them, you know, the ultimate, I suppose, choice or the managers, the ultimate choice about, um, you know, how they schedule people on any given day to take account of maybe the fluctuations in the business. But unfortunately, you know, that's not something that um, Mm. is of a benefit for the members. And and clearly they want to change that, those working in, in, in retail and maybe it happens also in hospitality. Would it happen in hospitality as well? Uh, oh, I would imagine so. Yeah. I, I would imagine so. I think the, the hours are, are, are equally very unstable. There all over times. the place. The scheduling yeah. is all over the place, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it, it seems rather unfair. I mean, I would have thought that the best case scenario would be for somebody to have a full-time job and work a 37 or a 38-hour week. Well, absolutely. But unfortunately, again, I suppose retail, uh, there were very few jobs now, whereas traditionally many years ago, you know, you got a full-time job or a part-time job. Uh, I suppose retail is very erratic now. Um, I mean, the majority of retail staff don't work full-time. Um, they work between 20 and 25 hours a week. Many of them would like the option of working full-time mm. uh, and having a permanent full-time job, but unfortunately, that's not something that's being offered to them. Uh, would you get a mortgage or a bank loan or anything like that if you have un, you know, unreliable working hours? And this is it. And you see, many retail workers have um, just, you know, 20 to 25 hour contracts. Now, they might, on an ad hoc basis, get additional hours when they're, because they're flexi contracts and the employer has the option to roster them for as many hours as they like, up to the full time equivalent in the store. But when you go to a credit union or you go to a bank and the first thing they ask you when you're looking for a loan is your contract of employment. How many hours a week are you actually guaranteed to guaranteed. work? What's your guaranteed wage? And no matter how, how much you try to say to them, well, look, I do, you know, I do work over and above that when I'm scheduled to do it. A bank or a credit union can only give you a loan based on what you're guaranteed to earn. So it's very, very difficult for yeah. workers out there at the yeah. moment. And added to that difficulty then, I was reading, are issues involving annual leave, holidays, sick pay, maternity leave, paid maternity, issues like that. All of that needs fixing, does it? It does, as far as we're concerned. I suppose, I, I think, if, if anything, the, the, the pandemic demonstrated the value of retail workers in Ireland, Neil, um, and they're very, very much lauded as being frontline workers. And I think for far too long, uh, they were undervalued. Um, and so, you know, they've placed, they've, they've placed a value on themselves now. I think, thankfully, you know, society has placed a value on them. And so we're saying it's not just about the early rate of pay, but when you're on low hours and the low guaranteed minimum, then the rest of it is very important as well. The overall reward package, we would say, is very important. And that is trying to bridge, bridge the gap. Employers helping to bridge the gap when you go on maternity leave, when you go on paternity leave. Um, you know, to try and bridge the gap between what people would earn if they were working and when they're on that type of How many companies would pay, you know, I know that there's a payment from the state, but some companies then, I don't know how many, would top it up so that it would be full paid. In Ireland, do many do that? I know they do in the UK. Over the last 12 months, we've seen, you know, a very welcome shift from other 
uh, retailers who are moving into that space. Um, so that they are beginning to move into the space of looking at the overall reward package. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I suppose, you know, bridging that gap again and more and more retailers are actually moving into that space, which is very welcome. Is that because they have to, I wonder, Lorraine, because literally they can't get staff? I think I, I think probably Neil, you're right. Uh, there's a, there's a mixture of that. So maybe you know the timing is right for us in, in respect of negotiating those type of improvements. So I think it's a mixture of recognition. I think the pandemic has really I think focused and crystallised the value of retail workers. It's a mixture of that, and I think as well, you're quite right, it's about attracting people uh, into the business, and then the other challenge for retailers is retaining those people in the business. And is it Duns have to pull their socks up? I mean, what's the state of play with, say, Tesco or SuperValue? Has the, has the landscape changed with the arrival of Lidl and Aldi, for instance? Well, yeah, I mean, Tesco have, have moved into that space of, of uh, topping up um, maternity and paternity leave. Brown Thomas have done the same. We're talking to other retailers uh, about that at the moment. So that seems to be the trend. And we're asking Duns to, to, to follow that trend um, and to, um, I suppose, to introduce the, the top up to the maternity and the, and the paternity leave and the parents leave as well. How's, rate, how's rates of pay then in retail like that? Um, yeah, we're making, I suppose, good progress. And again, I, I, I suppose we're asking Dunn stores to follow that trend as well. Um, the, I suppose the, the entry rates in particular are very challenging. Uh, again, you know, people are sort of, um, I suppose, have the option out there in respect of whether they choose to, to, to work for particular retailers or not. So, yeah, the rates of pay, particularly at the entry points. Um, what is that? Is that yeah. minimum ten fifty or something? Would it be? Uh, well, no. Well, well, it might be in places that are, I suppose, not represented by a union, but they're, they're typically sort of between it's sort of eleven sixty to up around to over the twelve. So um, that's just, that's that the starting rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I heard. I don't know whether it's true or not that Aldi and Lidl are great payers. Is that right? Um, well. <laughs> You could say that, but then then the other challenge there, I suppose, is the number of hours that the guarantee to workers can be quite low, uh, and the I suppose the role itself. Um, you know, when you work there, you're sort of, and you'll see that if you go into those stores, you know, somebody's on the on the till, they're stacking the shelves, they're in the warehouse. So the role is is very broad. Yeah, it's tough work, work is retailers. what you're saying. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's what's there's no industrial action being proposed here or anything, is there? No. Uh, no, that's not where we're at. I mean, we're sort of we've we've, we've launched the pay claim for Duns last week. Um, we have, um, I suppose, a campaign. We're going to uh, begin a campaign to sort of ramp up right um, the 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 claim. Um, and you would hope that you know, sort of in this day and age, when Dunn stores are the, I suppose, the most profitable and successful retailer in Ireland now today, mm. you would hope that something like that wouldn't wouldn't be necessary. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a concern, really, isn't it? The unreliable hours on a week-to-week basis, you know, that's that it is very hard to plan, particularly, you know, particularly if you're rearing a family at the same time. It's very difficult, isn't it? It is very difficult. Yeah. And the other thing is, I've spoken to a lot of people recently about their rent and the, the you know, the variation in, in the wage from week to week is very challenging when you have to meet, um, you know, a rent that doesn't doesn't go up and down to match your wages, but is absolutely set. So it is very challenging. It is, because you really are going from one week to the next with a different paycheck every week. 
You are. And so what we're looking for is we don't think it's too much to ask that people have some certainty around the hours that they work and they have absolute certainty around the pay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. good luck with that. Thanks for taking the call. I'd love to chat with people who are juggling, uh, you know, you know, issues regarding different hours of work on a weekly basis. It'd be good to chat with their stories, but appreciate you taking the call. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Thanks. All the best. That's Lorraine O'Brien, Divisional Organiser with Mandate Trade Union. Perhaps you are on a flexi-hour contract. must be very difficult to juggle your life around a flexi-hour contract. Get in touch. Text 0868 Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. We'll go back to text throughout the course of the rest of the program. And we also have that wonderful hamper to give away. And also some of our family passes for various Cork tourist attractions and sites. Now, I didn't get to talk to John last week. No, yesterday. It was just that busy. But uh, I don't think much has changed in that regard. They were protesting outside Brewdog, which opened on Friday in Cork. John, good morning. Neil, how are you getting on? Good. Is that protest finished now or have you continued to do it? Did you do it across the weekend? Well, I suppose um, the protest itself was kind of fairly small in that we were just trying to raise awareness. Um, we've nothing planned for the minute, but we're, we're, the campaign stays going, but the actual protest outside Brutal and ourselves probably has stopped. For why are you there? Why, why were you protesting and handing out flyers? Yeah, so look, I can give you a bit of a rundown. Um, essentially, this time last year, 61 members of staff in Brewdog in the UK spoke out about how they were treated in the company, um, allegations of bullying, and that's all freely available online. So, um, yeah, in fact, I think Brewdog management apologised from time to time about the treatment of staff, didn't they? Yes, but the staff who spoke out haven't accepted that apology and haven't uh, said that the, there hasn't been enough steps taken to change the culture in Brewdog. So essentially, what is what, what were others, the allegations about the culture that there were there was a, there uh, were fear or intimidation? Was it fear and intimidation, and particular allegations against the CEO for kind of creating a cult of personality around himself? Um, so, as a campaign, a, a number of us put together a press release and sent it out to a number of publications in Cork. Um, in the hopes for kind of rounded coverage of Brewdog's opening, um, particularly because in the last few months, Brewdog has been given massively favorable, favorable coverage um, by a number of publications. One even called it possibly the best place to work in Cork. Um, so we were a little bit kind of surprised at that. Sent out the press release looking for that more information would be um, given to people before they supported this business, yeah. and it wasn't published. Okay. So then when it wasn't published, we took it upon ourselves. Um, we printed out flyers, we printed out leaflets, um, with QR codes people could scan. And all that does is takes them to the articles themselves written by um, international newspapers and things like that about how Brewdog treated their staff and takes them to the, the campaign by former staff looking for an apology. So it was as simple as that, really, but when def- we see, couldn't get it. I know, you couldn't get coverage. Well, you know, I have an opportunity yeah. to chat with me now, so I hope it makes a difference yeah. for you. But, but, you see, it's a franchise, John. So, like, it would be like me. It would be like me going into a, pa- into a Paris McDonald's and being treated crap or working in a Paris McDonald's. You, would be, you wouldn't be protesting at McDonald's in Douglas. It's a franchise. They're all different owners. Well, I suppose the point I would make is, even if it is a franchise, Brewdog is still represents... The Brewdog in Cork still represents and presents itself as Brewdog. Brewdog itself is still... And sorry, it still supports that business, that company. They're not brewing the pints themselves. They're still buying it from the company in the UK that mistreated staff. Um, and it can't pick and choose what aspects of a brand and will and it won't be associated with it. They are still, you know, uh, James is still the CEO of Brewdog, the man who mistreated and those that haven't uh, spoken yeah, about. I know, but, but it's a, like, 
this is just for people who don't know it. Brewdog opened at the weekend, didn't it? It, it opened yeah. just across from the courthouse, the side of the courthouse. Uh, it's a bar. It does food. They brew all their own beers, right? Um, but the franchise is owned because we got in touch with the, the company behind it, Westside Leisure Limited. And their PR company came back and, and reminded us, and rightly so, that uh, the group that owns the franchise for this um, has other bars in Cork. They've got the Brogue, Barbarossa, Voodoo Rooms, Pop Scene, Alibi and Barbarella. And they employ over 200 staff across Cork. Um, and, and this is just another addition to their you know, list of pubs, if you like. Not unlike Benny McCabe, who's not as many as him. He's got like 15 or something, but... They're doing quite well, and they, their, their staff in all of those pubs like their work, you know? Well, I, I suppose, Neil, I, I can't comment. I haven't worked, I've worked in the industry myself. I haven't worked in any of those pubs. But um, I wouldn't be lauding the, the, the experience and service industry. You spoke there, even yourself, a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, oh, oh, oh listen, like, uh, hospitality needs a lot of work. Believe me, you're right Absolutely. in that regard. But that, that, this new pub will just, employ 50 people. Yeah, but, uh, well, what I'd say to that, Neil, is that it's a, it's impossible, like I said, for this them to pick and choose where their brand uh, will, what where this brand will and won't be associated with their pub, um, and for the most part, no one no one forced them to open a brew dog pub. They could they had, like you said they had plenty of pubs. They could have kept them within the the current uh, branding that they have. They've opened a brew dog and they've decided. It, it, I just find it quite surprising that they're so quick to distance themselves. Um, as I've said, I think it's quite a toxic branding um, which has mistreated workers. If they don't want to be associated with it. It was as simple as opening a different branded pub. They're still supporting. It didn't have to be Brewdog if they wanted to open a new pub restaurant. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You know, there was no limitation. And then, but go, there was I, huge I, demand I, for the work. Apparently, the posts and the jobs filled up very quickly. I think they're still hiring, so I'm not sure if, if that's right. the case. But they're still they're still hiring. I, I, I saw them advertising for kitchen staff anyway last week. Um, but yeah, look, I, I mean, the point, like I'd, I'd say I'd, and I'd make, is that it was just to to provide people the. I suppose the full picture, if you know what I mean, and yeah. before they went out and supported um, the pub, that they knew exactly what was being supported. And it wasn't even particularly against the pub itself as much as it was against Brewdog. The iconic brand of Brewdog is what your issue is with. Correct, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. stocks in Tesco and Dunn's and Little and everything as well. So just so people know themselves, it would have been a great opportunity for the Cork media to cover those, uh, like 61 staff is not a, a low amount of staff to speak out against Brewdog uh, a year ago. Um so I think it would have been a great opportunity for a nice wide round bit of coverage, as you've given yourself there here this you, morning with mandate on. Yeah, you didn't. You don't want people going in there. Is that's the bottom line, isn't it? Um, well, I suppose I, I I wouldn't be when I was standing outside and others were standing outside. We weren't stopping anyone. We weren't trying to convince people not to go in. For the most part, all that was done was we had leaflets in hand and they were given to people and people were then furnished with the full information um, as, as we would think. Yeah. The full information, there's a new pub and then here's the story behind the brand and then people can come to their own decisions. Um, I think I said it multiple times to people at the weekend that maybe even had our press release been picked up by, by newspapers and published, we probably wouldn't have been out there or as quick to get out there. And did you talk to the owners or place? management or anybody come up to chat with you and ask you to desist um, or anything else? No management asked us to discuss. One member of staff came out and said he was familiar with the demands um, from the staff, as he was actually from the UK, because they have some staff over, I think, for the opening, if you know. Just Maybe for training, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he said that he thought Brewdog had done enough. And look, that's fair enough as well, but I, I suppose I can only take it from the, the staff who spoke out. We've actually, our campaign has been in contact with those staff, um, and they say that they're not happy with the change, and they're yet to see enough um, examples of, of 
they've seen a lot of rhetoric, but not enough kind of okay. action taken, if you yeah. know what I mean. You're chatting a lot online, you and lots of others, about people talking mm-hmm. about Cork pubs treating their staff badly. Is that right? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to know the locations because of legal reasons, but Absolutely. how bad is it? Yeah, like, I think... You, uh, Mandy, uh, was, was pointed out there. It was, it was a great little segment you had, you know, on, on the retailers and things like that, and the the conditions. But I suppose pubs are, by the nature, as you said, kind of the unsociable hours and things like that, and the people kind of move on a lot between pubs. I think it, it's a lot more endemic, and I think people are a lot more used to it. Um, things like no breaks when the night's too busy being seen as the night. That, that's not an issue of the night being too busy. You know, that's an issue of not enough staff being hired to cover breaks yeah. or uh, there's been a lot of talk recently online from people speaking up saying I did a trial shift in and now I won't name places but and I wasn't paid for my trial shift I did five, six, seven, eight hours for them I didn't get the job and I got no money is you know, that so still going things, on that kind of nonsense? well I, I, again a lot of the time places aren't named so it's hard to know how, where they're going on, but people are still saying it's, it's happening to them. So you Yeah, know, I you heard of it in, in, in some on. establishments in, in Kinsale, actually, some restaurant establishments, and then there was uh, talk about people in delis and retail and, and supermarkets yeah. and, you know, deli kind of food counters. I don't, think, I don't think it ever goes away, you know what I mean? And that, that was the main point. The point was never really ever either to make the point that this new pub was going to be unique in treating staff poorly, but I suppose more to let people know the story as well for staff in the industry that you know you can speak out about how you're mistreated you will be listened to your story will be told and you will be believed as well you know like those 61 staff last year I'm sure if they looked at the way Cork Media treated this new Brewdog Co opening would be quite disappointed you know uh, had there not been more attention drawn to it and if I can make one more separate point I would make I know you said there I think about 15-20 minutes ago at the stage you said about how pubs were charging more and more for pints Um, I think something that doesn't get brought up enough is Pubs in Ireland are still on the reduced VAT rate, according to the Mirror anyway. That keeps going till 2023. Uh, they're paying a 9% VAT rate on products. That hasn't been passed off onto the consumer. I think you and I both know that. You know, yeah. points are going up, yeah. prices are going up. And has it been passed on to staff? I don't think so. Yeah. Paying conditions haven't astronomically gone up. So No, and the know, same is going on with hotels, actually. They got a reduced, yeah. got reduced VAT. They got, big, they got big pandemic payments. They're not paying their staff anymore, and you're, yet they're full and charging exorbitant rates. So, so that, that's, I suppose, the, the, the issue, I suppose, with the campaign being so centred around Brewdog, and we take that on, on the chin as well, was that it was never specifically about this one pub, more so to start a conversation. I think it's great to have this conversation here as well. You know, that, that, that 9% VAT rate says a lot, you know, that it wasn't, was it passed on to the consumer? No. Was it passed on to the staff? Very little evidence suggests. So it, we heard a lot during the pandemic about we need to open the pubs and we're losing this industry and how badly they're being treated. You know, I just think that, that we, we seem to have, that whole conversation has stopped when it should have shifted. Um, I think for the most part, like you say, um, pubs in Cork, I think staff in Cork need to know that, yeah, that they can call out when they're being mistreated. They should call out and demand better conditions. And when they are going to say these things, when they are going to speak out and demand better, that they'll be listened to, believe, and oh, you know, I, that, no, those opportunities will be there. I'd love to chat with more people who have an opinion or a story to share within retail, hospitality, or working. Text 0868104106. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Welshman in solidarity with Cork bar workers, is that it? Well, yeah, I, uh, I I moved over here quite a while ago, but uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, did you um, did you work in hospitality? Uh, I haven't worked in hospitality for a while, but it'd be four years now. But um, 
I, I did, yeah. But uh, mostly I just like to get involved to support people in Cork or wherever there's a bit of a problem going on where they're working. Like okay, it's it's did, not the first place we've protested. Oh, okay. Where else have you protested? Um, so we would have been involved in um, campaigns where uh, people on the job seekers payments were being come in, uh, being told to come in and work for much below the minimum wage and the government would pay for that. Expo- well, yeah. yeah, so anything that is yeah. exploits the working man kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, wh- yeah. So what's your issue, what's your issue with Brewdog? Uh, well, Neil, I was there on the Friday leafleting and, um, you know, there was a manager came out to speak to me and, you know, uh, you can find the links on our Instagram, which is just Boycott Brewdog, that, uh, you know, there are severe issues with this company even going on still. In the UK, um, though, completely different to a Cork company who have the franchise employing Cork people well, already have many it, pubs and run them very well. You know, Neil, you've mentioned the company behind this and in the press releases, as we were mentioning, the positive press, um, he was saying he was going to rugby matches and going to brew dogs and love the brew dog experience. And I don't get this point of they're, they're brew dog until they're not. Like, it's clear the person who's invested in this has said they love the brew dog brand. So what, what, are me, what are we meant to take that as a franchise? Is it brew dog or is it not? Well, it's, it's like as if it could be a, a much better run franchise not unlike, say, a, a McDonald's or a KFC. These are all franchises or, you know, Burger King. You know, some run well, yeah. and if, some if don't. You, some are nasty to if, their staff, some aren't. Yeah, but they all come back to the same team. Um, like, the manager who came out and spoke to me on Friday joined a week after the Punks with Purpose letter was released mm. and knew full well the issues of the staff and they stayed on and have been involved in the company at large. So the idea that they're cut off from it because the Baron Court of the franchise that they're originally employed by Brewdog is strange to me. Like I, I want to push back on this franchise cop out um, when they're the Brewdog branding everywhere, Brewdog beer served in there. Um, and the manager, well, the owner, the financier has come out and said that he loved Brewdog from his experiences of it and wanted to open a Brewdog in okay. places that probably weren't franchised. Okay, well, it did offer them an opportunity to come on air, but they don't have to. They declined not to, but they did point out some of the issues that have already addressed, uh, you know, over 200 staff. I think maybe 60 will go into that establishment alone. What's, what's next? Like, have you made your point now, John? Will you just, nothing to see here, move on, is it? Well, I suppose, for the most part, we're still in contact with the, the group in the UK, and I can't say too much about it, um, but they're doing their own thing. Um, in terms of BrewDog and Cork, I mean, we'll, we'll, the, the, the group ourselves will probably come together and figure out what, what comes next. Um, like, like I said initially, the whole point was just to get a little bit of coverage. I understand, um, yeah, I understand. And, and, yeah. and to, to, to have had that, to have the open conversation, anyone listening here this morning now can, if they'd like, go away to our Instagram. Um, there's a link in the bio that links you to all of the articles that you need, ever need about BrewDog if you want to have more information. Yeah, okay. If you still want to give them your, if you still want to give them your business, 
I won't stop you going in there. We won't be standing outside stopping anyone um, if we believe that that um, there can be more done to raise more awareness. Uh, or if We've more certainly raised out. quite an amount of awareness to Brewdog and Cork, so much so that many people will want to go and visit now because of this. Because of ourselves? Well, I, No, I because of even because this conversation between you and me. It's PR and... Yeah, no, it's just yeah maybe, as, as they said, yeah, maybe so, but I, I would say that... They were, they were already getting enough good publicity that uh, it, it's a good to get the opportunity for a little bit of pushback. Um, right. Like I said, when there, when there was the article published saying it was potentially the best place to work in Ireland, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and I'm glad to even have had the opportunity to push back on that as well. Okay, my man, stay, stay in touch. Let me know what happens next. Appreciate it enough. Thank you, Thank you both. Thank you, John. Thank you, Owen. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818-104-106 I don't know, I don't like that idea of flexi working hours flexi is a nice word isn't it? It seems as if you know, it's thing working for you, it's flexible you can do this, that and the other but I think flexi is only good for the employer, not the employee you know, you need, you need reliability you need regular hours, you need to be able to you know, get into a routine in the workplace so working 15 hours one week and 37 the next week and 12 the week after so that must be hell to be able to manage that. Uh, I see a lot of text coming in on this. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. As a chef, I've seen people being brought in on a Friday, a Saturday or a Sunday night for a working interview because the hotel or restaurant was short-staffed and then told at 10pm, thanks, we'll be in touch and they get no money or even a call back. It is happening, Neil, says Desi, a chef. They call it a working interview. That's interesting, isn't it? It's exploitation, that's what it is. Pure and simple. Exploitation. Keep your stories coming, particularly the ones regarding driving tests. We've got a wonderful hamper to give away every day this week. Uh, Garden Goodness, Hassett's Bakery, The Good Fish Company and The Butcher's Block have loaded up the hamper with many, many goodies to the value of €350 every single day. Okay, so to the phone lines we go. Helen, good morning. Hello, how are you, Neil? Okay, so it was nearly 30 years ago, was it? Well, it was practically 30 years ago. We were 30 years married there last... All right. uh, so it was on our anniversary as well that I did my driving test. And the tester was a big man, you say? He was a big man? Oh, he was a big, a big man and we had a small car. It was a Peugeot 205. So you had a big tester and a tiny Peugeot? Yeah, that's it. We filled it between the two of us. <laughs> okay, what happened next? Uh, so we did the usual deteriorate test inside and came back out, sat into the car away to discover every time I changed like he sat when he sat in the car he kind of sat you know being a big man with his legs opened so every time I changed that's called man spreading that should, man there should be there should be a law against that there should be a law I in the statute books against man spreading by the time I was finished I said it was more than his legs spread what? what? I said, I said by the time I was finished I said it was more than his legs spread Oh, you're a dirty devil of a woman, so you are. What are you, what are you going to tell me next? What did you get up to in the test? Oh, I tell you, um, every time I change the gears, I used to be rubbing, my hand used to be rubbing off his leg. Oh, for God's sake, is that where this conversation is going? All right, okay. Uh, well, we keep, it, we keep it a bit clean, like. <laughs> oh, no, I can handle it. I can handle okay, it. Oh, that's great, okay. Right. Um, so, and every time that, like, the car, it was kind of an old car at the time, which was practically a you know, new car, but every time I stopped on a hill, like, the brake, you stick in the car, so I had no bother taking off on a hill, like, because every time you took your leg off the brake and the clutch and took it out of gear, the car would stay there anyway, whether it was Patrick's Hill or anywhere. So that's a faulty fucking car. You shouldn't even have been having a test in that thing. 
No, we're second grade. Jesus <laughs> mighty. <laughs> All right, get back anyway to uh, oh, yeah, so, the inadvertent uh, rubbing. <laughs> yeah, he was just, I say, he was telling me to do whatever turns. You know, so that I would be changing the gears, constantly rubbing uh, off his leg, like. <laughs> Dream on, baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, um, drove back to the test centre, and next thing I'd say, by the time we back, got back to the test centre, I'd say there was more than one handbrake in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake, would you stop? Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, mor- I'm mortified and I can't even see you. <laughs> But, um, oh no, he was a nice man. No, no, <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> By the time the test was finished, he was a nice man. He was a quiet man. <laughs> and you and you would think you passed for that reason, do you? Oh, I do definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really, I mean, really believe that? Yeah, oh, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, he was. Well, I suppose whether my driving was good or not, he likes the fact that my hand was rubbing off. He's like, I said. <laughs> Dream on, girl. But it, Dream on is right. But at least you believe it to be true. Yeah. That you passed because of the... Yeah, but it passed, whether my driving was good or not. <laughs> you were put he a... was a very excitable man by the time I was listening. <laughs> crazy. You crazy people. All right. I I'll believe you. I'll believe you. Well done. Right. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, Helen. Take care. Can't come on air, but I had to text in about the driving test stories as it's too funny to let go. A friend of mine took his test recently, and while doing the test, a dog ran out in front of him, so he slammed on the brakes. He presumed he was after failing because of this. So when the driver instructor told him, head back to the driving test centre, he was passing McDonald's by Musgrave Park, and he had skipped breakfast that morning, so he said to hell with it. He decided to pull into the drive through and asked the instructor if he wanted anything to eat while they were driving. Now, that's an unfinished text to me because first, I don't know whether the tester actually asked for some food. Yeah, I'll have a McMuffin, large double sausage McMuffin. And did he pass the test? I would think that you, what would be the rule? If, if you're doing a driving test and a dog runs out in front of you, are you supposed to knock it down? No. Are you supposed to slam on the brakes? Yeah, I would have thought. But what do I know? It's years since I did that. Uh, my father passed the test. He had two pubs. He had two pubs of Guinness on board. Oh, what does that mean? Two pints? I'll clean that up and I'll come back to it in a few minutes' time. Now I'll get back to the phone lines. Matthew, good morning. Hi, Neil. Um, during your test, uh, not, no, oh, it wasn't your test. test. It was a lesson. Okay, lesson. I'm, got, I'm with yeah. you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was only, I don't know, about 18 or so. I was up in... England in East Sussex living and I was working up there and I said geez I better do something about trying to get a car or something so I went out for lessons picked this fella and uh, met him at the time and we're driving along Tunbridge Wells anyway and uh, we're driving along next thing I, I, I copped him he's going sniffing That's he, he he's sniffing is it? yeah so I kept driving along <laughs> and the uh, next thing he's doing it again and after a while I said you're alright I said because I worked on a pig farm I said do I smell the pigs or something because I've had a shower <laughs> and he said uh, no 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 keep driving so I drive, and he's sniffing more I said what's wrong with you he said have you been drinking I said I have I said I because I, I was early for my test I went down left and I went down to the village and I was waiting for him so I went into the local pub and they had two pints <laughs> you you and can't be doing that, man. Are you I, like, yeah, but I didn't even think of it. Even it was years later I realised what I should, what I did, and I shouldn't have do, done. But at the time, I didn't take any tech notice of it. 
And he just said to me, he said, look, we've about 10 minutes left to go. Your driving seems okay. Carry on. But next time, don't be drinking. <laughs> well, you're so young that you didn't know that you couldn't drink and drive. I, I, I knew you're not meant to drink and drive. It just never entered my head. I just had an hour to kill <laughs> while I was waiting. Are you Welsh? Are you? Maybe they do things differently in Wales, is it? I don't know. I think it's all the same. It's just I'm a bit slow, maybe. Oh, I wouldn't think so. Anyway. And then I, I, I didn't pass the test. <laughs> that was only the lessons, but when I went for the test, I didn't pass. And, okay, but you did it a second or a third time, did you, and got it then? I passed them the third time, yeah. And when you, was, say you, you, you work on, do you still work with pigs? No, 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 no. I, I was on a dairy farm, had my own farm there for a few good years, and I, was, I rented out now. And where are you now? Are you in Ireland? Yeah, New Sistown direction. Okay, okay. And where, yeah. like, so your folks were, were you born in Wales, was it? I was born in Wales with my father's from New Sistown, yeah. All right, so you're, back, you're farming in New Sistown? I was, up until about six years ago I rent the farm out now. All right, okay, so you're a man of yeah. leisure, is it? Oh, no, no, God, no, they work away, but obviously farming wasn't for me. And when you were in the pig farm, would there always be a smell of pigs off you when you go out and about, no matter how many times you'd shower, like? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Things have got better now compared to long ago. Like, I was working on one here in Bandon about 30 years ago as well. And uh, I was in the pub having a couple of pints, and the fella said to me, you work on the pig farm, don't you? And I was all stuff thinking, you recognise me? I said, yeah, do you know me? He said, no, you fucking stink. Animals, though, pigs, I'm told, in spite of their bad oh, rep. Yeah. They, they, most of them are clean, but there's a smell after them they knock a donkey. <laughs> Fair play to you, Matthew. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for listening. No matter. Good luck. Have fun. Take care. Uh, I'll try this one again. Where is it? My, um, my father passed the test. He had two pints of Guinness on board to relax him. <laughs> it was 35 years ago. A cyclist came straight out uh, out in front of him uh, while out on the test um, he sowed the four tyres to the road to avoid hitting the cyclist I love that term it's beautiful he sowed the four tyres to the road to avoid hitting the cyclist and nearly gave the tester a heart attack he told my father to head straight back to the test, test, test centre to pass him uh, and to get a change of jocks for himself apparently <laughs> two pints of Guinness to relax him 35 years ago before he did his driving test oh my god they were crazy days talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM I was talking earlier on this morning about a lack of places to live and lay your head and one of it had to do with students 6,000 students start uh, first year college at MTU and UCC every year and they're saying in the echo this morning that we're not building half enough well we're not building half enough for not just students but for everybody uh, uh, Texter says some families that are struggling with mortgages, etc. at present, if they have a spare bedroom, they could do well by taking in a student uh, from Monday to Friday. Even the student should have a nice, cozy accommodation, no extra bills. It's just an idea. Rent a room could bring in twelve thousand plus per annum, tax free. Maybe the bus routes are being enhanced towards UCC and MTU, and bicycles are an option from the suburbs. There was nothing wrong with old-fashioned digs. For some people back in the day, remember the days of digs? Also, students, etc., from Cork or up the country could match up with students up the country coming to Cork and have free accommodation 
uh, Monday to Friday. I don't follow that bit of it, but I know what you're saying with regards to uh, somebody with a spare room taking in a student. That was fairly popular way back in the day, actually. That's what people did. They, you know, I, I remember way back in the day, you know, an, an awful lot of lads would come to Cork to train uh, with uh, the Post and Telegraphs, which went on to become Aircom, and they were from all over the country, and many families, us included, would take on the uh, would take in the young technicians who were then going down to uh, to Blackrock to learn their trade and do all their telegraphy and their wiring and stuff and they'd stay Monday to Friday and they'd be fed there and everything and they'd pay their way it was digs so there was uh, those days are well gone I would have thought text 0868104106 that's the way it used to be okay we need to uh, just pick a winner in a couple of minutes time for our hamper Tuesday's hamper for garden goodness Garden Goodness, Hassett's Bakery, The Good Fish Company and The Butcher's Block. So these hampers are loaded up with the very best of produce uh, from the Douglas Food Court at Douglas Court Shopping Centre. But also, I'm opening the phone lines in a couple of minutes now to give away some more wonderful tourist attraction passes to all sorts of different locations uh, across the summer. And I've already given away lots and lots of them. This morning, we're talking about the West Cork Model Railway Village. It's been many years since I was down there, but it was a place I visited often when my kids were very small. I loved it, they loved it, and it is exactly just that, a West Cork Model Railway Village. Um, And it's a lot more than just railways. It's beautiful little towns and villages all put together on a massive scale. But enough of me. Kim is the manager there and has been for well over 25 years joins me by phone Kim good morning good morning Neil how are you I'm great so while I'm giving away the passes I'm keen also to talk to those who are working and running the different tourist attractions (laughs) when did you when did you open down there we opened in July 94 so we're officially open 28 years now a couple of weeks ago that's fantastic and going from strength to strength it's a it's mind-blowing you go in there i mean well it's fantastic so we we came, we started off as a bit of a white elephant because no one had ever heard of a, a model village in ireland before and now it has become a place to visit when you come to west cork it's a lovely place for families to visit it's a place for school tours to come uh, active retirement groups come in so we're we're popular with everyone how would I describe it? I mean, it's 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 like a mishmash of what? Clonakilty, Kinsale, Bandon, Dunmanway, all... The scale is 1 to 24, so it's it's big in scale, isn't it? Big in scale. It's it's You still feel like a giant when you're walking around it. Uh, there's little footpaths to follow around every small town, and they are what you would call architecturally correct. So yes. they're the replicas of the original buildings. And then we're showing West Cork Railway in miniature on G-scale trains which go around each town and they move and make whistle sounds and the kids follow them around and look out for the passengers getting off at every station. Unbelievable. And there's yeah. there's waterways and rivers and there's boats yep. on them and there's people at the local town fair and the markets. Um, yeah. Is, it, tra- is, it, day, is, is yeah. it trapped in a particular time? Well, the 1940s would be when it's set. It was a living memory of people who uh, who were born and raised around the 1940s before rural electrification and, and big supermarkets came in. So the weekly shop was done in the market and the street and then people were quite self-sustaining as well. And then you had... Um, uh, the, obviously the trains coming in and out with goods as well into all of the towns so you did you did have a lot of commercial business going through and then of course Clonakilty Bay had a big uh, port as well a long time ago and the commercial vehicles would come in and out of there yeah. as well so we're just representing everything that was of that time it's but so it's gorgeous. not just historical it is a fun adventure as well you know Who built it all though or is it constantly being added to or what? <laughs> we're, we're improving it all the time but the original idea started about 
about a 3D map of West Cork. Um, we had a couple of local businesses, including Billy Houlihan, who was uh, the county architect, and two other gentlemen involved with them creating and building the idea to to the council of Clonakilty. So that's where the initial idea from, and then we had wonderful Foss and Falter Island coming in, helping us build it and and bringing staff to train to. to so that would have been well. a lot of trades involved, clearly, massive, carpenters massive and joiners trade. and electricians and fabricators. And who, the little figurines, who made those? The details are real. We have people here still who make them on a daily basis, and they get they get made and they get fixed and they put in place, and then they have to maybe get repaired or painted as the year goes along as well. Because you, you see the detail of it when you look at the fair day, where you're looking at yeah. baskets of vegetables, miniature ones, perfect. perfect. The, li- the little uh, milk churns on the back of the cart, perfect. It's all in the detail. And the actually, tiny when little you walk buns around, that the baker yeah. is carrying, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the detail, you see it then. If you walk past, you just notice that it looks like a nice scene. But then if you kind of zoom into one little scene, you'll see there's a couple of people having a conversation and you say the vegetables are in the basket or the buns are on the tray <laughs> for the baker. It is great. And what about the weather, though? Does it not get a pounding? Uh, we are on the wild Atlantic Way, which uh, is always interesting weather-wise. Uh, if it's going to be a rainy day, we recommend bringing a raincoat. But on, even on a cloudy day like today, we've, we've good numbers coming through. You know, it's just dressed for the weather, really. But we're, we're pretty good down here. If it, as you say, the weather changes every five minutes, so just wait. The children must be blown away. I mean, as, as adults, I was like, but I say the kids must get it off. Kids buzz love it. it, and we do a little treasure trail all the time. So they're looking for little things hiding around the model village. They have the indoor soft play area. We just reopened that again earlier this year. That was closed for the last two years. We have an outdoor play area, and then we have our, lo- our new uh, diggers mini diggers that they have a little go at or uh, the remote control boat so there's activities here and then of course our little choo-choo train around town as well they love going on that and waving at everyone you've got it so right in Clonakilty haven't you I mean it's just it's just <laughs> we're got working everything. all the time I know it's a hard work but it's paying off for Clon big time isn't it it's a gorgeous it is. town we're a busy little town we're a sweet little town and you know we're, we're a bit of the jewel in the crown if you I like to say that it, myself yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> and if people want to go can they book online and other they box can book office, online or we have you can pay at the ticket office there's no problem there uh, we're open uh, in July and August between 10 and 6 the last entry is at 5 and you just walk into the ticket office one of the people there will take care of you get a ticket if you want a train ride we have those running every 45 minutes uh, if you just want to walk around the model village there's no time limit you can stay as long as you like fantastic I'm going to give away four family passes now good do, to chat do. Kim go from strength to strength <laughs> thank you so much. much cheers thanks, all the best thanks, West Cork Model Railway Village awaits go there bring the family within if you're lucky enough on the phones now you might win yourself a family pass we have four family passes to give away get darling now 0818 we'll take callers 9, 10, 11 and 12 you will absolutely love it meanwhile last bit of business uh, Tuesday's hamper of goodness from Garden Goodness Hassett's Bakery the Good Fish Company and the Butcher's Block you you can do some serious barbecuing with what you're going to get here. You're going to get the freshest of fruit and vegetable, the most beautiful fish. You're going to get gorgeous steaks and burgers and beautiful confectionery of all sorts of varieties from Hassets. So get dialing on, the, on that. Well, sorry, my apologies. We have a winner on that one. Um, and I think I have to say I was blown away with the different calls this morning. But I'm going to give it to Helen uh, with the gear with the gear stick story rubbing against the instructor in the tiny Peugeot. Uh, I, I, I mean... You're very, you're very bold. You're very saucy. You're a little on the rude side, but we love you nonetheless. <laughs> well, come here. It was my fault that he was a big man. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was a big, he was a big happy, he was a big happy man by the end of it, though. He was a big happy 
man, I tell you, he was very easily turned down if they rubber the leg. <laughs> Do you ever meet him since? No? Oh, Jesus, no. Once I passed my test, I was gone out the door into the car, gone home. <laughs> you had your job done and passed and test passed. Yeah, I assume you're also handy in the barbecuing department, are you? Oh, yeah. We love the barbecue. Barbecue, we even had a steak last night off the barbecue. All right, where are you calling from? Uh, Balakari Gilgul. All right, well, good, good morning to everybody down your neck of the woods. We've got a hamper of goodness for you from Douglas Brilliant. Food Court. So it's sorted okay. and ready for you. So make sure you get a postal address uh, and get the barbecue on and enjoy, all right? Thanks a Take care. Bye, Helen. Cheers. Take... What you say? I said, if you're ever stuck for me to give you a rub in the lady. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> I'll have whatever is in the air in Liz Gould these days or whatever they're putting in the water. Anyway, our lines will stay open, so keep those stories coming. Text 0868104106. Get in touch by email to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.